Hello and welcome to the Hawk's Nest. We are behind enemy lines today as part of our special offerings of shows we do during the week. And we've got my man Zach in the house. Zach is here from Payo Time on YouTube. Now you can just go down there in the description link, my fellow Hawk fans. Before I, I got to let them know what to do first before we get you in here, which is go to this guy's channel, get subbed on up. This is the Rams channel you do want to be following. And I want to welcome him on in the house. Let's give him a wild, well, kind welcome here into the Hawks. Then. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for uh, you know how, you know reaching out and doing this collab. I'm stoked that we're you know streaming to both of our channels here. The Seahawks and the Rams, two interesting teams. I, I I've said it before, like the Seahawks and the Rams have one of the most awkward rivalries in the NFL because it doesn't mm. necessarily get this like attention like the Cowboys and like the Eagles do or, or so, something like that. But like we've had some really fun games over the years uh, oh, and yeah. it's gone both ways. And yeah, I'm always excited when the Rams and Seahawks play each other. Yeah, it is. I It is exciting for us too. There is a feeling in some of the Hawks sediment a little bit of does, does McVay have coach Carroll's number? And I don't think I'm not saying, I know that to be true, but that's also right now. So there's some trepidation as we go into some of these matchups now where people are going, uh, is he going to do the I got you old man thing again? Please don't have him do that. Please don't do that again. But uh, Carol's looking for solutions. We're trying to search, you know, search on that. But I agree. It's been uh, it's been overall some hard fought battles. You guys have, I think, overall probably in recent years gotten the best of us. Maybe we got you guys back early in those, you know, LOB days, Virginia, when you had the Fisher uh, Fisher in there with his crew running things. But not a big fan of fish. Ugh, we, we don't need to talk about Jeff Fisher. That that's that's <laughs> whole <other> live stream. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely got some uh, different opinions I've noticed around from fan bases from where he is uh, he's been. It's both up and down, but it he does draw seemingly a pretty um, I don't know vibrant reaction from people and what they think. Definitely. Um, well, I know you got your fans watching this on your your stream as well at the same time. So I do want to raise before we start out here a white flag. Because I, I did a post-game video uh, breakdown of the Rams beating us in the opening week. And I sort of said just kind of off the cuff, you know, it goes out saying that this Rams team is in a real rebuild mode season. Um, not to be that they didn't have still good parts or that they were a bad team, but that they had signaled throughout the offseason and that there was a general consensus both, consensus both with me and with nationally that this was a team that was, you know, just deciding look we were going for it the last two years we made moves to do that this isn't the year to go for it we're resetting this sucker and i didn't think it was that controversial of a thing i said but my comment section was peppered with rams fans letting me know that i was quite wrong about that <laughs> set, set, set me straight on this zach uh, guide me to the light on this one if i was off so i'll, I'll say this there were there, there's kind of three things you need to factor into the Rams offseason before the season. Uh, number one is they made a lot of moves that were purely cap decisions. And Les Snead and the front office of the Rams probably don't get enough credit for you know absorbing fifty over $54 million in dead cap hit this year. Mm -hmm. And next year, they are going to fix their cap situation, and they did it in one year which a, a lot of, if you look around the NFL, there's a lot of teams that wishes they could do that, right? Um, the other thing that the Rams did is the 14 draft picks, uh, a huge draft class, already seven of the 14 are contributing on the field. And, and we, we've seen that halfway through this season. I Like I would say that Steve Avila, our, our, he's, he's our left guard right now, He's a stud. Byron Young is turning into a stud who's a, who's a, 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 an edge rusher for us. So 
there's Puka Nakua didn't even mention him. Like he's blowing off, uh, you know, getting, you know, lots of yards and catches, breaking records left and right. So there's a lot of things to like about the young thing. And then the third aspect that uh, this team is doing is they got so much younger, not just through draft picks, but they, they like almost any undrafted rookie free agent was like, oh, I'm going to the Rams. Because it was a huge roster overhaul, right? Uh, coming into training camp, we had I think 42 rookies present at camp, like in our offseason. And so that kind of gave the grounds of okay, let's temper expectations as this is a rebuild year. But I'll fully admit, when the Rams had a really good game week one and they beat the Seahawks. That like skyrocketed expectations. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's what I was. This is what I was thinking was going on is that you guys got us, and it was like, oh, we got them. Well, maybe we're not so rebuild, rebuild sucker. Just keep that out your mouth. But yeah, it, 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 come on, it, it was a rebuild. It's it, it, and it's okay. Like to me, they looked as a negative thing to say that about. It. You just mentioned all the reasons why it's such a good thing. It's it's. I say this about it. I have a theory that teams find themselves in the NFL in four different stages. You know, they know, like they say, water can be in gaseous form or solid. Four stages you find yourself in the NFL. And you're either in a rebuild, ascent, in between, or you're elite. And it's really important to, to figure out where you are as a team because that helps you decide, do we make go-for-it moves at the trade deadline? How active do we want to be in free agency? Do, you know, we want to try to sacrifice some future for the now? And your Rams team, I think, have done what I would say is a master class in recent years in showing you how this is done. And that's including the end point of this and just their management of this. I'm not saying master class, just this, this alone, in that when you were in the elite stage and there was go for it, let's go get Vaughn Miller. You know, let's go get Odell Beckham. Is there any moves we can go out here and make a you know, Brandon Cooks this way, in and out? You know, they just constantly making moves that were about aggressively making the team better for the now as much as you could. Then when it wasn't time, Turn it over and turn it over fast. And, you know, we're finding success now, having done the same thing you did. You said 54. We were 57 last year of dead million uh, of on our cap. And so you turn it through and then you clear it that much faster. And now you go and it's all you got all that money you can spend into next year. And it's all there in front of you. And um, I applaud it. I didn't think it was. a. That's why I think I didn't think it was a negative. It was, it was a plottable move on their part. No, definitely. And. And the, the one other thing I'll, I'll say to like this season in general, the Rams have been competitive in almost every game. There, you know, Cowboys game aside, and there, there's been some frustrating losses for sure, which you're never going to, I don't know, I can't cheer for my team to lose. I can't embrace that tank mindset that some people have um, <laughs> of like, yeah, like we have to, you'll lose. I'm still at the point where like, okay, if the Rams win this many games, they can make this playoffs. This like, because that's fun for me as an NFL yeah. fan. I'm going to do that. Right. Right. And I, I, I'm a firm believer that if the Rams were to somehow make the playoffs this year, statistically it doesn't look good, but you know, I have hope and I believe in miracles. Uh, it, it would be so fun. It would exceed all expectations this team had, but realistically, this team is meeting expectations this year and you using your own kind of, uh, you know, tier system of ranking. Yeah. They're in a rebuild. They're a competitive team. They're well coached. They've made some mistakes that have cost them games and you hope that, you know, they learn from that and move on They're They're a young team, especially on the, the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. 
And they're and they're, that says something about I think the coaching staff that they're getting the performance they are getting out of them. And your guys, I mean, also with I think you know Stafford has been just balling out of his mind this year. I mean, you could I think make kind of a strong argument to start the year out there. He was having even past the Super Bowl year, he got out at the end. Seemed like at the start of this year, he was having his best start as a Rams quarterback. Is that an accurate assessment too? Yeah, like he, he was just healthier this year. Look at you know he missed the game. He missed uh, our last game because of a thumb injury that he got in the Dallas game, and Brett Rippon came in, and that was just an ugly performance. Uh, but th- thankfully, the the Rams were still able to uh, you know, and we'll talk about this later. I'm sure they they got Carson Wentz, which I do view as an upgrade of the backup quarterback position over Brett Rippon. Even though you guys stole Brett Rippon. Trying to take our secrets. It's because call it. Yeah, it's rivalry, man. I yeah. also know. I also notice you're starting Stafford now after his magical one week of healing. Yeah. Oh look, <laughs> he's all right now in this rebuilding season. You know, you talk about not leading into the, leaning into the rebuild, my man. Like you know, just give him a couple extra more weeks. What's yeah. that gonna? No, it's Seattle this week. Yeah. <laughs> tape, tape it up, Staff. And tape I, it up. I will say this: Stafford is an incredibly fun quarterback to watch when he's healthy, and. At this stage of his career, he does need a clean pocket. He he's not like a young Stafford that will move the pocket around or or roll out to you know his left or right as as he used to. And and you'll you'll still sometimes they'll they'll push him out to the right or things like that. But if Stafford steps up in his pocket, plants his back foot, he can make some incredible throws that just you you're amazed at. And I I, I particularly love the football IQ of Stafford. That's in in the Jared Goff Matthew Stafford trade. Really, the football IQ of Stafford is what elevated this Rams team to help them win a Super Bowl, and you know that was a lot of fun to see. And so, what's frustrating is you know when the Rams have poor O line play, Stafford does throw picks. He does struggle. But if you look at a lot of his interceptions this year. I wouldn't put them on Stafford. Like there's been a lot of deflections. There's been a lot of, you know, him having to throw under pressure. So I'm hoping that this O-line can, uh, you know, take up the challenge of the Seahawks D-line and give some Stafford some time on Sunday. It's uh, one of the places I see oftentimes fans don't seem to give the quarterbacks that benefit of the doubt or kind of bring it into their assessment of what's happening in front of him. You know, what, how is there chaos? Is it, is he actually getting the clean pockets to operate from and the difference in how the quarterback plays and not just star quarterbacks, but all the quarterbacks along the line up, up and down the chart of the tier system, they're all going to have this wide variance in their play. When you have that porous line versus the line blocking it up and keeping things held, held up um, like in that week one matchup against us, I thought the line did really well against us. He wasn't under very much pressure. I don't know if we touched him all day, uh, and then it was on top of that, what you said, and especially watching the all 22, there were some throws on it that really stood out where, you know, he's putting it in there and it's, it's just past the defenders outstretched fingers, getting just into the most perfect little spot that he could kind of put it into and, and really shouldn't have any business fitting it into that kind of area, but with the velocity and accuracy, he could both possesses able to do so. Um, that was, it was a really, I didn't give him probably as much credit for it on the first look through on it. And then you go watch the all 22 and go, Oh, okay. We were actually there in some of those coverages. He was just making some really, really nice throws and great catches along with it at the same time. But um, is it, where is the injury at, at the moment? So everything we've heard is he's expected to play on Sunday. He, there, there was an argument that he would have, he wanted to play, uh, you know, the week before the bye week, but 
McVeigh said, "Save him for Seattle." Yeah, I, I think I think that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. And, which is the right move to do. Go oh, yeah. pick players. Re, re, rebuild year, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no. I, as far as I've heard, he's throwing the ball. He's gripping it well, and I I hope that he's out there slinging it on uh, on Sunday versus your Seahawks. <laughs> is it actually broken, or was it just like hyper extended? Um, I think it, it was a sprain. It was okay. a sprain thumb. Yeah. So I, I'm not a medical professional. Uh, I don't know if anyone in the no, chat doctor. is, but <laughs> just, just play one on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would like to ask you a question about one of uh, your, your Seahawk players here. Yeah. And any, anyone who's watched me for the past two years, I have this take about the Seahawks and I love hearing Seahawks fans opinion on it. My, the player that scares me most on the Seattle Seahawks is Tyler Lockett. Mm. When Tyler Lockett gets a first down, it's different than when DK Metcalf gets a first down or anyone mm. else on the Seahawks. The, I don't know what happens, but like when Tyler Lockett gets hot, the whole Seattle offense gets su- like Super Saiyan powers. And they just <laughs> they look better. The, the line starts blocking better. Gino just turns into Peyton Manning all of a sudden. And, you know, I, I haven't watched every single snap of Tyler Lockett's career. I just, from what I have seen of him in primetime games or versus the Rams, Tyler Lockett is a player that when he is going off, it's very difficult to beat the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm, I'm assuming you've seen probably every snap of his career. What is it about this guy that just seems to elevate the players around him. Well, I think um, it is a little interconnected here first. And that is to say, you know, though DK may not be seemingly the, the engine that drives a lot of what goes through that receiving core, we've got to keep in mind, and this, this is a pet, this is very readily apparent on the All-22. I was just breaking some cut-ups from this last game. We played the Commanders, and there's a couple of moments where it's just silly, um, the way the double teams will roll to DK. So, you know, what does that then mean? That means that you either are playing too high – where you can still then bring that safety over to Tyler's side if you need to bring help. But more likely than not, that safety is going to kind of want to be drifting the middle of the field and kind of be able to help both ways. And so that does leave Tyler with pure one-on-ones, one-on-ones that DK doesn't necessarily purely get. I don't want to take the feet out from your argument in that he is a very important piece of the offense, and he has been the security blanket to Geno Smith on those third down, even third down 11, third down and 12s. He is um, a route runner that doesn't win as a route runner like kind of any of the other receivers in this league. In that he's that he's got that kind of doctorate level in doing this for ten years of route running, and a guy that also comes from his dad played and his uh, uncle played a receiver. So you got to figure this kid's upbringing coming up was very advanced, and and he runs these routes where normally it's you know the guy's going to go on a stop route and go straight up the field, come to the stop, turn around, come back, you know, where he'll kind of go up, arch it out, come back up, make it look like a nine route, then come back. He's going to end up doing like five things in the course of his route to get open, where a cornerback doesn't see this week in and week out across the mm-hmm. NFL. And so he's got enough, obviously still, you know, quickness, ball skills, that kind of thing that goes with it, that allows him to still be a very, very creative, uh, effective player. But those are the things I think when I watch the film that stand out to me is what is the corner supposed to do on that? You're trying to read the tells and he's a guy that just doesn't literally give you, you know, any tells. Um, he's still been very solid for us. I don't know if he can take the top off the defense quite like he used to back in the yeah. old days. Um, but that's also a guy's 30, 31 years old, right? right? Something like that. So, I mean, it's you wouldn't expect him or you wouldn't hope to maybe lean on him. I think you're right in that this offense to be rolling needs to be leaning on him for five, six, seven catches a game where he's he is getting his targets in there and that you're 
it's the where offenses are best where we're kind of peppering it all around rather than it being one of those offenses where you're just trying to let one guy ride, you know, and, and just say, here you go, here you go, here you go. Um, but he has been really good and he's not seemingly fallen off. If there's a titch of falling off on the deep ball, everything else is uh, short to intermediate has been good. He's even caught a couple bubble screens and actually ran for some yards this year, which if you know, Tyler, he's, he's not a guy that's always the biggest yak guy out there. Um, yeah. In the name of self-preservation, but uh, he's been good. He's been really good. Uh, been been loving him. Um, how in on the receiver tip? How has the uh, the combination, the reintegration of Cooper Cup with Puka Nuka worked? Being that you sort of get two positions for one there. How do you how do you structure that? Who gets pushed to the out? Who's the slot that gets pushed to the outside? So you know what it, the the Rams offense they've often moved their receivers around dating back to when Robert Woods and Cooper cup were doing it early on in this McVeigh scheme. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. We haven't seen a full game yet where Puka and cup have really been in sync with Stafford. Mm. Um, there's that, that that's a valid criticism of this Rams offense that whether it's the O-line play whether it's receivers running the you know the wrong route, we like Cup has made some uncharacteristic drops in 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 a couple of the games uh, since he's been back. But then there's still times that you'll see you know Cup and Puka wide open, but Stafford couldn't get them the ball because you know he's on his back, right? Mm -hmm. So that that it's been frustrating this year as a Rams fan, and you see like the potential of Puka, you know how good Cooper Cup is. You know how good Stafford can be. And even Tutu Atwell has really upped his game this year, and he's been fun to watch as a burner. And and he, he kind of used to be a one-trick pony, but he's elevated his game to, you know, they'll give him an end around. They'll give him a crossing route. They'll, they'll, they'll you know, kind of use him in just open field the way and get him in that space. And McVeigh is really good at scheming his receivers into the, that open space. So I'm, I'm thankful for this wide receiving core. It definitely is a strength of this Rams offense, especially since we won't have Kyrene Williams on on uh, on Sunday. Uh, he's not going to be back until Week Twelve. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I I would just to answer your question though, that's a long winded way of saying it. No, no, it's it's it definitely has the potential to be a really great you know wide receiver duel. We haven't seen it in really explode yet this year. So you see it as one though the long term. It's both them on the because that's the on the outside looking in. It goes those are really two guys, especially Cup at this point in his career. I don't want to put him on the outside much, and unless McVeigh is going to embrace four wide receiver sets where you'll have two theoretical slots on the receiver on the on the field yeah. at one point in time, which he's done that before. So it's not outside, and you know he's smart about using his personnel. But um, it, that's workable. Do you think is Puka Nuka going to be able to operate on the outside and be able to win on the outside? Is Cooper Cup going to be able to do that if they if they want to slide long term into that? Uh, I think so. Like we often operate out of eleven man personnel, and I, I, I don't know. Like it, again, it's just it's been inconsistent this year on offense, and it almost seems at times, you know, those little kid games where with the shapes and you're like putting it through like the triangle and the star and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It seemed like you know we're taking Cooper Cup the star and trying to fit him through the circle, or we're taking yeah. Cooper Cup. Or, or we're taking Puka Nakua, who's the square, and trying to put him through the trapezoid. Right, and it's we just haven't seen that yet. And but you'll you'll see Puka on the outside more often than Cup for sure. Uh, but Tutu Atwell would be more of our kind of the outside threat when it when it comes to the Rams wide receiving core. 
it'll be interesting to see what they do long term there because there mm -hmm. is that there is that wonder of that shrewd nature that you applied this offseason. Do you apply to potentially a cup down the road where you're like, well, Puka's on a cheap contract for the next two years. Cups had mul multiple injuries with us that have been pretty major. He is getting older. He's been he has been great for us, but this is the NFL where things can get very you know cold blooded very quickly, and uh, that's where maybe this offseason. I'm it'd just be interesting to see what they do. I think they'll try to hold on to both, but that's where I'm going to be watching for in this game from the matchup standpoint of do we are we able to take advantage of that that we have a slot playing on the outside? You know, mm -hmm. if, if we have Jackson Smith and Jigba as our slot, and he can sometimes be sprinkled in on the outside, but if you're putting him on the outside for a full game, I don't really know how effective he would be at that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would probably go, I think he would not do that as well. That's not what he is. And slot has become its own kind of fun. I mean, McVay's the guy that's caused this in a lot of ways. It's become its own fundamental position on the football field, dis distinct unto itself. Um, especially the way you guys use them. Like put them in the backfield out of full bat, out of like <laughs> half back and shotgun and constant motion every which way but loose. And uh, it's a fun offense, one which we're still not quite onboarding fully here with Waldron, funny mm -hmm. enough. Um, we yeah, I, I'm curious, like – um how has the Seahawks offense looked as a whole this year um again I, I I haven't watched every single Seahawks game besides highlights but you know at times I know Gino has had his highs and he's had his lows and everything in between but would you say Gino is as good as he was last season has he regressed from the, that you know that miracle year I think it's hard to make the determination for some of the point that we talked about earlier in the show in regards to the offensive line. I think if Stafford's dealt with some issues up on the offensive line this year, Geno's had to deal with it even probably much more further along. Starting with, if you think about that first game you guys played us, halfway into the third quarter, we're down our starting two tackles, which yeah. are our most, two most important offensive linemen on our team. And it's been, it was a downhill run from there. It went to three-fifths. It went to four-fifths. We were at one point with five-fifths of our offensive line completely out at the course of this season. And so it's slowly starting to get better over the recent weeks. But, you know, now is it, you know, coincidence that you have this, for instance, you know, part of it's you played Washington, they're bad defense, but you get Geno playing a game where he throws for 360 in this game. And is it line starting to get healthier? Cross is starting to now get back up to that level of play he was kind of at last year. And so has he played as well as last year? No. Is it hard for me personally to pull apart the poor performance of Geno versus the the issue with the line and the pass protection and it's not just the pass protection it's also the 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 creating um consistent rushing lanes you know if you ask me to to explain his offense disjointed um inconsistent and very explosive um you know that's that's been the part with it and it's been the kind of the mixture of those three and it's we're, we're waiting to get to the consistency part within that explosive it's all there i mean we've got an offense that's loaded to the nines but it is i think going to be really based upon how well this line health can hold up where our potential goes as a team this year. And we're going to get Lucas back finally here. I don't know if it's this week or next week, but that's where I'm going to be able to make much more of a, give you an answer to that. That's going to be much more based in me knowing I, I can remove the line part of it. Cause I think when you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, you've got a Stafford guy there. You've got, got one of those guys that would be held into that camp of kind of the superhero kind of quarterback that, you know, where the, the, the casual fan will go, you know, oh, well, you know, he doesn't have anything working for him, but he can just put on his cape and he's good. And it's like that that basketball Jordan LeBron thing of like, oh, the other four guys don't matter. He can just go out there and just jump over everybody. You know, if you don't have a line that's able to consi consistently create rushing lanes and you don't have pass protection that's consistently holding up, you know, how much is that going to impact the quarterback position? It, it, and then what is the expectation from the quarterback on the level of play of them when that does occur? 
Yeah, I you know it's it, it's interesting when you put it like that. There are a lot of similarities between Geno Smith and Matthew Stafford's criticisms when it comes to when they're not performing well, mm. and you know when they are performing well, you know it's often because their O line is performing well, and. Yeah, like I, I don't have this strong desire to see Matthew Stafford play hero ball outside of, you know, a fourth quarter drive to win the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to see my quarterback with a dislocated shoulder and he shoves it back in on the sideline and, and goes. It's out. It's out. It's yeah. out. <laughs> um, and, and especially. Am like I mic'd the, up? Am I mic'd up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in so much pain right now. Oh, it hurts. It hurts so bad. It's in? Okay, we're good. Yeah, someone tries to give him an ice pack and he just throws it away. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, give it to me again. The camera didn't get it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like you know, like I said, Stafford's been a fun quarterback in this league for a long time. I don't think he's retiring this year. I think he does retire as a Rams quarterback. Um, everything that I've heard from him, who does not speak about it a whole lot. And if you listen to his wife's podcast, which I am not the target audience for, but for some reason I, I have to listen to it because I do this. And sometimes she talks about his career oh, Lord. and everything there points that he doesn't want to do the, like become a backup, like, you know, old journeyman quarterback when mm-hmm. he retires, it's when he's done being a starting quarterback. Yeah. And, and, and that's maybe you know, two or three years away. Some people think it should have been last year. Some people think that it's going to be this year. I'm not in that camp. Uh, he d- he doesn't talk like someone who's ready to be done with it. He just, you know, he's someone that he wasn't healthy last year, right? Mm-hmm. And so people like to write off, you know, older quarterbacks when they have injuries and things like that. But we've seen older quarterbacks come back from injuries and play at a high level. And I'm hoping that that is the case for Stafford. And I'm hoping that, we can have a pretty quick rebuild and get back into, you know, that elite team status with all this, you know, inflection of young talent that we're hopefully developing this year. Yeah. I, and there's a question I want to ask you on that. I think it was partly too, it's the back. And I, she did kind of, I think, didn't she have on her podcast? Like he can't feel his feet or she was like saying something like that, like making it sound like, so it started to make the other, if you just heard that kind of as a, you weren't listening to all the details like, Oh, he's done. His wife's, his wife's saying, she's like, it's that old convo the wife has with the old guy. Like just come home. Don't, don't let it happen again. Don't go out there again. He's like, any, any headline you ever see from Kelly Stafford's podcast. No, there, if it's about Matthew Stafford, it was probably taken out of context. His retina is dislodged. Yeah. You no longer can see, but he's going to go play this week. I've told him no. <laughs> it, I, it just, it, it was a little, okay. So yeah. He, and look, if he's playing as well as he is like this, I, he's going to have a job somewhere starting this league. If they're at Rams yeah. are going to do it. Somebody's going to be happy to line up and say, we'll take that kind of level of performance. Cause I, I think when he has been playing this year, he's been playing it probably Man, there hasn't been a really great level of play at quarterback either this year. You could, I think, take five top five state uh, this year at the quarterback play, maybe right around in that level where he's been when he's been out there rolling. And considering the level of supporting a cast, you start to again think, well, man, we get him, like you say, regrouped back around even to next year. We don't have to give him a lot much more. We, we don't have to make this a two year rebuild because we turn this around so fast. We can go quick with this. So, I, I mean, that's going to be my next question to you is that, yeah, is, this is your guy then for if you can get through. Yes, you feel like you can get through this as a one-year rebuild, quite with my first question to you. And then is he the guy then to take you 
further from, you know, further beyond. Is he not an asset? Again, back in that shrewd realm, I'm thinking they could be in where you see where I'm thinking on this. Like if they want to shrewdly kind of go into that, you know, okay, Cooper, keep this, you know, onboard the assets as we can. Um, I know they probably won't go that way, but it has to be something that I'm sure at least in the building that they're, they've toyed with in their mind at some point or another. And well, to be honest, I would argue no one, there's no other team in the NFL that is as shrewd as the Rams for moving mm. on from players, right? Mm. Like the Jared Goff trade, uh, well before even the Goff trade, you're looking at like Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, uh, you know, even this Jalen Ramsey trade that happened this past offseason. Like people were shocked. I was shocked when they moved on from Ramsey. And the, the Rams, they're a team that they're not afraid to, you know, eat dead cap. They're not afraid to make big moves. And the, to be honest, they're, they're a really fun team to cover as a YouTuber. Oh, yeah. um, and I, I think if, if Stafford were to somehow, and again, I, I'm, I, I'm not saying this is what I think is going to happen. If something happened where the relationship with Stafford and the Rams broke down, I, I, I think it would have to be something where like Stafford wants you know, a raise or, or him and McVeigh aren't seeing eye to eye or something like that. Cause that's what happened when the golf relationship broke down at, at one point, right? Like, like golf and, and McVeigh weren't talking to each other for, you know, outside of the football, you know, realm at all. And so I think that's if, if that were to happen, but I'm of the camp, I think Stafford retires as a Ram. I want him as a Ram. And I, I, I see him for at least, two more seasons, if not three or four. Mm. And uh, he, he's someone that I I think has one of the best arms in the NFL still. Uh, he does need uh, some, you know, some help on the O-line and, and the Rams O-line is developing and we'll, you know, thankfully we finally have a first round draft pick that we can maybe use to help him out with that a little bit. But yeah, I I'm, I'm excited to have Stafford as my quarterback moving forward. I would be too. And I think if uh, I was looking for them to attack a singular place above all going into this off season and, or really put a priority is get it on that line. Cause I think yeah. you give him that clean pocket, you give him an ability to not have to carry that burden at his age and he can still flourish back there in what he's doing. And uh, I, they have taken great steps. Uh, you mentioned Avilia, who I thought was the best guard coming out of the draft last year. I didn't think he was a first round talent, but it was a draft that wasn't filled with a lot of good guards. I thought Osiris Torrance was just big and couldn't move. I liked about Avilia is that he could move a little bit in space and get to some of those reach blocks or kind of one of the elemental blocks in your guys' game, you know, where you got these linemen. It's not the guy in front of you. I got to get over here to this guy and get to that block. So I need a guy quick out of his stance, a little quick with his feet. Doesn't have to be a burner with it as a lineman, but how's he been as a, as a player here? He's been fantastic. Yeah. No, I like, like it's been cool seeing him off the field, like all the training camp. I was like, Oh, this is a big personality guy. Like he's, he's fun to watch. But then when you see him on the field, he's a mauler, right? Mm -hmm. Like he he's opening up holes in the run game. He's, you know, standing up in pass protection and the Rams haven't been playing, you know, uh, teams that don't have a pass rush. Like they've played the Eagles. They played the Cowboys. They played the Niners. And these are teams that can get after the quarterback and Steve Avila. He's had his few rookie moments, um, I think he has, I think he only has two false starts on the year, but then wow. on, on top of that, like he's gone up against, you know, top tier talent, like Micah Parsons and Joey Bosa and helping, you know, keeping the pocket clean. And so it's, it's been really cool to see a rookie guard come in and, uh, you know, really shine in, in this Rams offense. 
Yeah, solid selection for them that I went, okay, that's going to help them, man. And you go, yeah, grats, man. They got a, they got one that's definitely going to be one that they can help to start build that line. And, you know, Wentworth retired. The line got a little older in certain parts. You had to kind of turn it over, you know, but yeah. it's really just about a willingness to invest into it and and put that in. Um, I think you guys would be a great team to landing spot for Fashnu, the uh, mm -hmm. Penn State kid out there, a left tackle maybe to pair him up there with Avilia and start building that left side. This you know, cool. You'll be right about that spot where the – quarterbacks get taken harrison gets taken and then the next guy you'll be right maybe in that line spot depending on where he falls too um you guys made the trade of cam Akers, who seemed like he was just permanently in the doghouse of mcveigh i don't know if he hit on his uh niece or uh you know he's got some incriminating pictures of mcveigh doing something but man he could not get on the good side of sean could he that was so some i'll say this Akers had one of the weirdest Rams careers I've ever seen. And I feel for him because he, he blew his Achilles for the second time when, with yeah. the Vikings, uh, which is really sad. Um, the other one too. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Like it's, it, you just, you feel for the guy. He, as a rookie, he, he had a great rookie year, especially on the latter part of the season. His second year, the Super Bowl year, he blew out his Achilles. He worked so hard to come back from that. And and he came back and he was with us in the playoffs, you know, and no one saw that coming, but you know, it happened. And then after that Super Bowl, it just it it's some something weird happened. You had McVeigh verbally frustrated with him in press conferences. He had some kind of weird cryptic tweets that went out, and yeah, I don't know. It was just always kind of awkward. And then the Rams were going to trade him last year. And then no one wanted him. So then they let go of Daryl Henderson last season. And then Akers was a featured back like the final like five games of the year. And he played really well. And this year, coming into it, everyone, every Rams fan is like, okay, Akers and McVay are friends again. Like everything's good. You know, nothing's wrong in the Rams house. And, They're making hard signs together. Yeah. In, in, in and then. The, the first game uh, against you guys, Akers got a lot of opportunity, but he didn't perform at all. Yeah. And I forget exactly how many carries, but he had, he had a lot of chances in that game. And then just something didn't click, and he was on the trade block. And then they traded him to the Vikings, and he scored a touchdown with them, and I was really happy. And, I, yeah, I like – you know, I'll always cheer for Cam Akers. I, I do worry his career might be in jeopardy with his second Achilles um, injury. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I do want to, before we keep talking, I, I want to ask you the same question you asked me about Stafford. What's uh, the long-term plan here with Gino? Oh, well, uh, uncertain. It's a, it's complicated. Uh, you know, it's one of those relationships, you know what I mean? You got one of your boys. Yeah. That's what I've been saying now. It's like, well, just, just, it's one of those things. We you ask your guy, like you and that girl, man, you guys have uh, been together now. Is it, you got the ring? You get it. It's complicated, bro. Don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where it ends. He doesn't say anything else. He just gets real dark and you know, it's kind of that a little bit. Um, I like the guy a lot. I find myself, uh, at times, uh, you know, definitely defending him more than I feel like I sometimes should have to as much, but I also at the same, if it makes sense, also at the same point in time, understand a lot of the criticism that's coming at from people. Some of this is the difficulty in assessing and understanding the quarterback position in the modern era to me, and that it is an ever developing, ever evolving state. It's not what it was 1990. It's not what it was in 2000, not what it was in 2010. It's it's like every couple of years, this thing kind of changes in a certain way. And 
<clears throat> with that, it means all the factors at play, like we talked about in some of it. Um, some you know, analytics love to point to running backs having all of this value based upon whether they have the line in front of them to block. That that's the most important part, not getting the running back, but getting the line. You know, those an same analytics don't seem to they'll build into it for the quarterback there, right? You don't get the same distinction made when you have a bad line for a quarterback. It just goes, buck up and make it happen, buddy. And there is a little bit of that. Uh, sentiment I think that does exist in the Hawk fan base right now. Um, not for myself in it, but that does make me question a little bit if he'll have kind of enough support here for this to hold true. But I feel like he has overall played really well at times in a storm. At times as well, he's had some really bad boneheaded plays that really are going to stick out in people's mind where that they just, you know, those moments in games, football is so epic in its way where you'll have 70 plays in a game, but it'll be two plays that stick into people's mind and get locked in there like a Renaissance painting, you know, like a battlefield painting or something, you know, and you go, no, there were other 68 other plays in there though, my guy, you know, there was, it wasn't just what occurred then, but no, no, it was that, that was the whole game right there. And uh, so he's he's really a mixed bag. We came out of throwing through 369. I did a post game discussion, and you know it was mostly supportive, but still a lot of parrying away and trying to parry away some of the chrisms in there. He played a bad opening half. I mean, that's everything with it. And the thing that's starting to happen now that's going to make this assessment easier is when the line gets in there. Then I can make more of a further determination. The fans will and the coaching staff will of if he's able to be that guy. Because the key for us is he's costing 10 million this year on the cap. Next year that goes up to probably 33 million dollars. Okay. And and so then that becomes a different kind of discussion at that point as far as yeah. cost goes to to all of that. And so, you know, he's got to be able to, you know, go, okay, look, here's what I'm bringing to the table. I'm actually bringing something that's worthy. It's not to the point of that that's not, not as high a water cost as we've been. Because like Stafford, what did he just add on average resign with you guys for? What was the average per year? Uh, about 42. No. 40, so 42. And then we're seeing contracts this offseason at 55, say 60. Yeah. So it's, it's getting up there past. So he's kind of more into that half, you know, phase where you go, okay, there's, I shouldn't expect him to be Burrow or Mahomes, right? He's not being yeah. paid like that. That was the whole thing with Russell through the years is Russell would be paid. high, so people would, well, we got to put him to that kind of standard of these other guys and where they're at. So this is going to make it hard. I wish I had a really straightforward question, but it's, it's really kind of, a, there's a, a high difference of opinion in the fan base on this. I don't know where the coaching staff is. I like how he's played. And I think if you give him a good supporting cast around him and a line that can pass block, um, which if you go back from week 13 of last year up through most of this year, absent two games, the pass projection hasn't been good. Mm -hmm. Then I think he can flourish and be a really, really good player that he could be a top 10 quarterback in the sport. Now, you know, it, 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 then we get back to, well, he shouldn't require that for this. It's, it gets to be a complicated discussion. Well, 32 million shouldn't require him to have an offensive line. Well, but he's half the rate and you get, you get really down the line on this one a little bit, but um, the end's going to determine it, man. We've got that stretch of four games coming up after you say nothing of this game. Um, one in which maybe he didn't play his best in that game to where we're going to be able to get a firm handle, man. You played the Niners twice, the Eagles once, the Cowboys once, you guys again in there. It's We'll have a clear picture at that point. And that's with the line getting back to full health now. That's with Lucas coming back into the fold. So he can't lean on that and go, well, I don't have this one. You got this, you got that, you got this. Uh, you should be able to make it roll, you know, at that point in time. So this, we'll this is really a huge stretch of game for Geno Smith's career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially with his tenure at the Seahawks. Interesting. Yeah. I think that they draft a quarterback regardless. Okay. I, I think that th that's this class, yeah. this class has got a really, it's a, what it is, is it's not as what I'd call a strong class of quarterbacks, but it's a deep class of quarterbacks, if that makes sense. And some people will call it an epically great quarterback class, but it's missing star power. You know, you'll have Caleb Williams, Drake May and Penix, your three, and maybe you can slide a, 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 a Knicks or a Rattler at the end of the first round or something like that. If you have some team that falls in love with them, but that's more of that team falling in love with them rather than deserving to be a first round. But then you'll from second to the fourth round, 
you'll probably have about like 10 to 12 guys taken. And that's what will make people feel like it's a super strong draft for quarterbacks when it's actually just, it's, it's the deepness of it. They just don't have necessarily that high end, you know, check every box kind of dimension to their ability that you would like from a first round guy. So I think that we'll draft one at that point, regardless, we're, we're paying Gino drew lock. We can't pay a guy as well as paying Gino 32 next year. You got to go for that cheap end guy behind when you're paying the front guy, the money that you are to load balance the cap, you know, a little bit. I think you guys might too, by the way. I think you guys will be definitely into that second, third, fourth round range. It may it may be funny. I think all Niners, us, and you, all three teams in that range, of just that spot of the draft, second to the fourth round, we'll all might end up grabbing. It wouldn't shock me if all grabbed a quarterback in this upcoming draft. Well, and like part of the thing is the Rams. So we drafted a fourth round quarterback this year, Stetson Bennett uh, from, from Georgia. Yeah. I it, It's the type of thing that people – People don't want to talk about it, right? We because you want to respect that he's getting help, right? Fill um, it up again. Yeah. Fill it up again. <laughs> but uh yeah, so like I I had a lot of hope from Stetson. He looked good in the preseason, and you know, I know people like to make fun of his age, but I was <laughs> hoping he could be a good backup quarterback. Uh, but uh we haven't been able to to see him, so it's really hard to to judge. <laughs> He was he was balling. He was throwing some dimes in training camp. I was I saw that come through on the the Twitter feeds and all that. And uh, he looked like he was going to take to this offense. And is he still? Did they just fall out release him? No, 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 no. He's still he, on the team, right? Yeah, he's still with the team. And okay. yeah, he's just he's getting help. And I, you know, I, 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 I hope he he recovers well with whatever he's going through. And I, I, I still I still hope he has a long career with the Rams. And I and I don't want to seem like uh, I make jokes on it, but I'm just I'm giving the kid a hard time. He's a multiple national champion in Georgia. You know he's going to be a king yeah. there for the rest of his life. Uh, yeah. So you know this kid's not. He'll be fine. But um, I do like him, and I thought that he looked really like he was taken to your offense really well. I think it's going to be very tough though if you've got even a guy like to me like a Bone Nix where McVay's looking at him like, oh, I just got to get a guy that just keep him in the context of the offense, and he's got legs and he can operate within that. And man, that'd be perfect for just just takes one of those guys to kind of fall in love with. And I just feel like all of our teams are going, all the individual offensive coordinators and us kind of just needing it uh, will drive them a little bit towards maybe thinking, well, just we'll just bring you know bring this guy, and especially if it's a guy that has a little bit because with Stenson, there's a little bit of the size and arm strength, or maybe the two questions you have if you have a guy that does. Mm-hmm. check those boxes that might you know cause me to go over and again the, it's a unique year this year and doing these i do a pretty deep draft dive every year and cool. it's been a really kind of thin recent crop of quarterbacks as they've come through it's not been a good and this has been a unique one with the the depth that involved in it you know mm-hmm. especially because of the mcveigh such a smart guy can run his offense and have a quarterback like goff was kind of just fit into our offense fit to what i tell you to do and um you know make it happen did you see the um I, w- I want to ask you too. Did you see the cool play that, that someone showed or caught earlier this year, where Goff was in um, with Detroit and he's running a Detroit route, an offensive Detroit route, and the guy gets clear over the top, and he's the check is to just go here, like this is what the offense tells you to go here, and then they go to the Stafford play in the Super Bowl, and it's the one where he throws it up over the top to the guy, and it's the same in cutting route, but Stafford felt the safety coming up. And then throws it over the top. It's there's a kid online that did this. It was a great cut up. It's the exact same play. And it, it, if you're looking for one play that just absolutely illustrates a McVay decision of why he goes from one to the other, it's like this play sort of crystallized it. If it can, if it can do so, and it was a great cut up between the two plays because it showed here's Stafford in the Super Bowl moment, a big moment, not just in a 
week seven game of a game, but the same route is being run. And the guy does a whole breakdown on it of how you can see how the route from the snap, the natural way, what you would have your quarterback go is to that in cutting route here. It's not really ever taking you to that read over the top, but if you feel the safety come in on like a single high situation, nothing's over the top at that point. So you can just throw to basically space at that point. It's going to be wide open. And I believe he completed it to, I think it was cup in the super bowl in the same route. Um, if you can't look it up, it's a great, great yeah, little clip. I, I haven't seen that. That sounds fascinating. Oh, it was so cool the way to show because it, it is exact. The whole it has to be the same offensive play call just in their playbook with the Detroit Lions that they're running, yeah. you know. And it's but that that is what you got with Goff. He was a guy that was very had to be very into structure. There was no ad libbing or off. You know, I'm I'm going to see something different. It had to be kind of even to that whole meme that was about him getting up to the line of scrimmage and them having 25 seconds so that the coach could tell him, you know, do his thinking for him essentially at the line of scrimmage for him, you know, and uh, I, Hey, props to them again. This is why I laud this organization is they saw that inequity and they went, we got to do better. This position needs to do better here. We can't just expect us as coaches to get this called the perfect game plan for him every time for him to have success. That's And, and like, I'll always credit Jared Goff as stabilizing the quarterback position for the Rams. Cause we mm-hmm. were on the QB carousel for years yeah. and, you know, Goff to his credit came in and became a very good starting quarterback. Um, and yeah, I, like, like you said, excited to have a team that what didn't want to just settle for good. They wanted to try and upgrade that position and, yeah, that, that's the difference between Stafford and Goff for sure. Yeah, he is a good 4,600 yards he threw for you guys. He 30-plus touchdowns one year. It's He's not a bad quarterback. But you, if you if you're there's a missing element to your quarterback you know you need, and it's something that stands out to you, and that's what they did. You know, it's the NFL is about being safe sometimes and staying with a safe choice. And they took the they took the, the, the roll of dice on that one and were, and were like, no, we got to make the right choice. One, give me one second. Let me turn my thing off here. One second. Oh, yeah, for sure. No worries. Hello, chat. Uh, Brandon is doing something off camera right now. So now he's back. Okay, cool. <laughs> my, my thing was a little loud. My bad, bro. Oh, um, just, sorry, I, so, you know, I, I want to, I want to, I, I love that there's so many parallels to the Rams and Seahawks. So, you know, we, we trade golf, got Stafford, things like that. You had a quarterback that you traded not too long ago. And like, again, I guess the jury is still technically out on your trade. Um, you know, Wilson had a big win last night on Monday football, but like, first off, when the trade happened, did you like the trade? And then when last season played out the way that it did, did you feel like the Seahawks swindled the Broncos? Um, well, first, second part is absolutely yes. I think even with Russell's recent performance, I don't know if it's going to be enough to keep him there in Denver in the long term. It may. Um, we'll see. I will, it's going to be a very interesting decision that has to be made by Denver seven days after the end of the season on Russ, because after seven days, there's a points of his clause of his contracts that kick in that put them on the hook for more more money into the future with him. Um, and we'll see on that. I do still think at the though onset of it, we maximized the returns we could get on a quarterback at his age at that time. That was a win on the surface. Uh, they've knocked the picks out of the park. Um, it's hard to look at any of the picks that they got back in return and go, oh, there's a bad pick. Oh, they're all contributing. They're all helping. Some of them look even like a higher end than that. Wow. Um, so th- just that second part first is an easy one for me. The first one is, you know, complicated. I think I felt overall okay because of the fact that it was going to come down to that point of this isn't going to work anymore between these two camps. Uh, Russell Wilson is shown even outside a year out, he was starting to do some things that was, if not burning the bridge, starting to, you know, throw some kerosene on it. And, you know, putting, putting a list of four teams he wants to be traded to, and yeah. you know, I need to start getting hit more. And it wasn't a full on, I'm, you know, 
just be completely being toxic, but it was just like, okay, you could kind of see the end is coming down the line here. So it wasn't a shock when it happened. Um, Russ wanted to go to a different place and be able to, to take flight in a way he wasn't being allowed to do here by his thinking. And the team needed to move on to be able to make sure that their whole team is moving all in the same direction, um, which you need as a coach. And so no bad guy in this, just sometimes you get to that breakup point in these kind of relationships where, you know, it's just, it naturally happens. And this was one where I think it naturally happened. So I wasn't particularly mad about it. I want to, I want to see the, the whole team guiding in the same direction. And the problem there at the end is there was a pushing and pulling between camps of what we want to do, you know, passing, running, you know, I, I wanted to, it's my start. It's about the team. There's a little bit of that stuff going on. And so you had to get through that. And now we are now through that to where the whole team is operating as one. There isn't clicks in the locker room. There isn't questions. This way. It's, it, it's how you need it to be, I think, to get to a championship state. So I love the trade. They've, yeah. I think, I think it's one of the bigger trades in NFL history, to be honest, for the returns you got. Cause I don't, I don't think that Russell Wilson's going to necessarily be there long for Denver anyway, even with this year, my opinion on this. Well, and like something, whenever I talk to Seahawks fans, and and I don't think there's too many left that think that they should have kept Russ, but did you really, if, if you would have kept Russ, right? And if the same kind of regression happened that has happened in Denver, and then also they would have had to pay him a new contract, right? Right. They were 100%. Like, so when you look at it that way, you could have set your team back for years <laughs> if you don't, don't make that trade. It's a great point. You can't not factor in the money part of it. And 60 million a year was what it was going to cost. That's what yeah. it was. That was the final straw that broke the camel's back when it came to making the trade become consummated was there was a call supposedly where they wanted to get a contract extension done a year early did uh, Wilson and his agent. Um, and that they said that if you don't pay now at this price, it's going to be 60 million next year. And that ended up going, okay, this is going to, we got to push this thing, you know, through at that point. So yeah, the money spent on that. And, and to me, and I just think that when you start paying that money back goes quarterbacks, you look at the NFL history and recent quarterbacks getting paid at that high mark, you know, you better get your returns from it because you're costing your team in other places. The sure mathematics of it, just you're paying more than double for one guy in your roster. I mean, that's, it's, it's really stark how much you're giving these guys and it starts taking that chunk and you got to pull from somewhere. And if you got to pull from somewhere, they got to be carrying the day. In my opinion, there's really two quarterbacks in this sport that can carry the day. They can, I don't have everything perfect around me. I can still make it happen. And that's Joe Burrow and Mahomes. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anybody else. I think that there's guys that are close. I think Stafford's close. I think they're, but I don't think that there's everyone. I think the casual fan thinks of there being like 15 of those guys or 10 of those guys. Yeah. And in actuality, there's really only about two. And, and so that whole supporting cast thing comes back into play for me where I'm more about building up the team. This is the whole thing with paying Russell at that time is I don't, I, I'm more in favor of the, the way to go to go getting a Super Bowl right now to me is unless you have a guy named Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes yeah. is get your quarterback on a rookie deal. We did it 10 years ago and got ourselves a Super Bowl championship when we paid Russ 0.5% of our salary cap, we got to a Super Bowl. We paid him 1.2%. You got to another Super Bowl the year after that. I don't think that that's necessarily a coincidence. Um, there's other things involved with this, but that's the pathway and approach to me is that you look to try to replicate that. And that's kind of why I say we, I think we're drafting a quarterback after this year, because if Gino isn't there and you, you can have a battle between the two and there's a draw to go the cheaper so you can build out the rest of the team because you can build a hell of a team when you're taking 50 million from a position you're going to invest and throw it across the board everywhere else. Totally. Yeah. Cause well, the, the people forget about that. All the other positions don't get paid the same way quarterbacks get paid. So like yeah. when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal or on a reasonable veteran salary, 
you can invest more in the O line. You can invest more on the D, the D line or in your secondary, and that that's that's a huge advantage. L- look at the Niners, right? The whole reason they moved on from Trey Lance was because they got the ultimate, you know, rookie contract in Brock Purdy. Then that's we have to put up with that for years to come. Yeah. And no, it's sign sorry. all these players. Yeah. No, and they can afford all those high-end guys that are paying top of the mark for their position. Fred Warner, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. You can afford to do all that then when you go to the other side. And it's, it is it is a pathway and approach that's worked in recent years. It's hard necessarily to always pull off at the end of the day because you are going to have a young quarterback you're trying to kind of carry things through. But it is if you build a strong enough team, I mean, like we did a little bit in 13, you don't have to lean on that quarterback as other teams have to lean on their quarterback to make it happen. And one other thing I'll say about this with the Wilson thing that remains, I think, a, the question that still even now as he's playing well does remain the part of his game that's apparent. And that is you look at Stafford and why he's still playing well now or why he's even played some of his best ball into his early 30s of his career. Mm-hmm. Some of his best ball. Because he had years he had, they called him Stat Padford and he would, you know, he'd, he'd wound out. He'd have some years with some stats, but having actual stats, win accounts, winning football games and putting in those high-end stats, why is he playing his best ball in his early 30s? Why is Kirk Cousins putting up his best couple of years in his early 30s? The reason being, it's very clear if you think about it, is that it's what happens from here to here as you were in the NFL for 10 years as a quarterback. You get your doctorate. You become a guy that's not merely good at the position four years in at the quarterbacking. You become a guy that's seen every single blitz, every single scheme, every single iteration of anything in between. And so now you know how to deal with it. You know the way to attack however they attack you. And with Russ, part of the double-edged sword of having that athleticism and the big moonball arm was that he did never have to really develop the the, the above-neck stuff. Right. He could always go back to I'll pirouette out of it like he did last night. I'll pirouette out of this. I'll float to my left. I'll throw this little ball to the back end of the corner of the end zone. And nobody else can really replicate that in the NFL. But the double edged part of it that cuts becomes where, but are you getting good against the blitz? Are you getting good about getting to hitting the back foot on a three and five step drop? Can you get the ball out of your hands quickly? Can you get it faster as you go with age? Get the ball out of your hand faster. And these are things that Cousins and Stafford have really gotten better at and refined in their game over the years that Russell didn't through the years, but he had gifts that they didn't necessarily have that was part of also the reason that that was occurring. No, well said. Um, if we can just circle, I, I've, I've loved this conversation, and but I do want to circle back to the game. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, we got yeah, get, um, get off the tangents. Yeah, no, I love it. And shout out to the chat for sticking with us, uh, you know, throughout this. But uh, what what would you say going into Sunday's game? You would like to like Sid, Seahawks get the ball first, first drive. What would you like to see to get this Seahawks offense into a rhythm early in the game? I think uh, trying to trying to find a mix early on would be nice between the run and the pass, uh, roll out passes, and and getting Geno some early completions um, quickly early on instead of it being seven step drops, hit the post route up the seam, and try to make a real tough throw right out the jump. Try to get him into a bit of a manufactured rhythm. Work in some bubble screens a little bit in there too as well. Just get him into that kind of flow. Um, Diversify the things up with the tight end looks, especially two and three tight end sets have been good for us, but we've been pulled away from them because of the Jackson Smith and Jigba selection at 20. That's drawn you into the 11 personnel when actually what you've done at your best this year, your most efficient is the 12 and 13 personnel. And it's been a bit of the, the the tough part about the offense getting into gear this year is that you you kind of constantly slide back to trying to get into with Jackson in the three wide receiver sets, which is also how McVay likes to – he's the guy who's led the league for years in three wide receiver sets. So it's also part of Waldron's 
you know, foundations he comes from. But you also have these three really good tight ends, and you want to run the ball, and that helps you run the ball better, having those big boys up front, giving you some extra blockers. So mixing it up, putting those items into the gear, it, I think would help us out, you know, tremendously. And we started out with you in that first game. I think we had the three first drives, worst scores. They weren't touchdowns, but we got scores, I think, on the first three drives. Then you lost your two tackles, and it all went to hell in a handbag. Yeah. Yeah, that and third quarter was brutal for you guys. Yeah, it, it was brutal, and and we didn't have an answer at that point. We didn't play a good game though. I mean, like that's the thing too. I'm not you guys. You guys outplayed us that game. We didn't show up on opening week too. I feel like there was a little bit of a, I don't know why. I it was one of the weirdest losses I've seen from Coach Carroll's era here, quite frankly. Um, in that just yeah, that's opening week at home, and you just got flat out embarrassed, and you you almost didn't you know not that you guys didn't win the game, but in a lot of ways you just didn't seem like you showed up in certain respects, and it was. Uh, Strange, something that we haven't seen here in Seattle uh, very much. I got a probably got a couple of donos I might be buying here, but let's get through the first one here. Garth Knight, thank you for the five dollar donation. Says, Yeah, real fun games recently for Rams fans. Thanks for being here though at payo time. And F Aaron Donald for busting Russ's finger. He was gonna get him eventually, wasn't he? He was gonna get him eventually. Yeah, Russell Wilson has been sacked, or, or out of all of Aaron Donald's sacks in his career, Russell Wilson is the most sacked quarterback from Aaron Donald. We we've refused for years, man, to double team him, and yeah. and I I watch at times how bold other move. teams deal with Aaron. Rod oh, very bold move, bold, bold move, move. guys. Oh my god, I, it drives me crazy because I'll just be like locking on that part of the game, like they're not going to do this again, are they? They're not going to single him up again. They're going to okay. And he broke my quarterback. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where I don't know why we take that approach of you know we're just going to beat him this time. Like you've never beat him. Stop it. Double team him and let make somebody else get you on that line. But he is. Uh, I guess it's a good time to say, you know, is Aaron Donald still is a monster. It looks like by all, by all respects, is he not? He is. And, and again, he's another one of the player I've seen every snap of his career. It's been a joy and he doesn't always have the sacks and tackles that show up on the stacks, the stat sheet, but watching Aaron Donald collapse a pocket fast is a lot of fun. He's been the best player of the last 10 years. Um, he, for, he far surpasses even to me of a JJ Watt. Um, he's a game wrecking force. And a lot of why even this year, I think he's got good stats, upper level stats, even for a defensive tackle, but he's getting so much attention down there that it, it's hard for any defensive tackle, especially a three tech type to get much done when you got four set, two sets of hands on top of you every time. And uh, that is, but he, he does seemingly on tape to me remain uh, maybe not completely vintage, but very close to vintage Donald. Is he not in his level of play right now? And he stopped the the tush push in when we played oh, this year. That in itself is like a, a miracle. And he's like yeah. the only he's literally the only one, I think. Yeah. On that one. Uh, but thank you, uh, Garth, for that dono. Uh Seahawks Gaming, thank you for the two dollar donation. Says Tyler, corner of the end zone locket. I just I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I want a quiet game from Lockett. No, no, we need some toe tag drag from Lockett, just like we got last week. Just right, just just sliding that toe. You can see that that rubber coming up. That rubber just come up like a like a burning car rubbing. Oh, it's perfect. I need need two teddies from him this week. We're gonna need it with you guys. I think we're gonna need to put some points this week on you because Gray's just got an. I'll tell you why in a second. Where main thing, if you want to look for why, I think he's got the main answers for how to deal with Coach Carroll's scheme. But uh, there's one thing in particular that he does that's. I think better than any of their offensive coach in dealing with Seattle. Interesting. A little, te little teaser there for you on it. Um, thank you, though, Seahawks uh, Gaming, for that donation, man. Uh, Jason Tudor, Stafford's no-look slant. Prettiest pass ever. Jason. Speaks facts. I hear you, man. I hear you. It's, it's, I, I rewatch those highlights for therapy. Like, if I have a bad day, I just rewatch Stafford no-look passes from the Super Bowl. It's amazing. 
He played a, such a uh, down the stretch. You talk about a guy locking in when you need it, when it matters, and mm-hmm. and just playing, you know, what you would have as a as an expectation level. That was it. And he was, I mean, that definitely was one of the throws. But all throughout that game, all throughout the playoffs, the way he went, he was just awesome to watch. Oh, it it was fantastic to see him just lock in, and he pl- he played near porter near perfect quarterback play throughout the playoffs that we needed him to. And I'll say I like his no look passes better than Mahomes because he actually manipulates the defender in doing it. Yeah. Mahomes will just throw it for the hell of throwing it, but he'll actually do it to, you know. And that angle they got on the Super Bowl where you could feel the defender, you see the eyes turn and the defender moves yeah. that way, and then the throw comes back. And it, there wasn't a clear angle that could show how that was how he was doing all of that. It wasn't just the throw; it was also the eye manipulation to to look away and force the defender to move because that's what they'll do. They'll get them get them kind of moving their legs there. Yeah, great pass though from Stafford. Uh, Garth with another dono. Thank you for the five dollar donation. Says we need to buy Brando a badge that declares himself the sheriff of Geno's defense. Just kidding, Brando. <laughs> yeah, I take my share of I, I've taken my share of beating on this one. I don't know. I might. I, I was also joking. I might be like the last guy on that little island where it just keeps losing more and more ground, and people are I'm, I'm the last little island. You know, the little cartoon islands they'd have on Looney Tunes with a single palm tree, and just like, okay, I'm this is Geno Island. I'm the only guy left, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I just think the line impacts things in a huge way. You know what I mean? I just, it, it, and know. really, like, I don't think it's bad if if the Seahawks move off of Geno this year. I don't think that's that's a slate on Geno. I think it's a, hey, Geno, we we want to try getting younger. We want to try with a you know a rookie or a younger quarterback that's cheaper. You know, I, and I, I don't think it'd be a bad move for Seattle. Or if they don't get a quarterback that they like. I don't think it's a bad move for them to go with Gino again next year. I'm with you as well. I'm even though I'm a backer of Gino with it, I'm completely open to hey, I'm gonna make my full assessment on this. I'm not jumping to conclusion, but I'm gonna make the full assessment where I stand at least. And these having these five games coming up is gonna be a nice yeah. test to be able to really accurately go, okay, I can see what you got or don't have. And I think you're right. It's not a decision that's made in a vacuum of is he good enough or is he bad enough? It's also of verse here's what he's going to make on the books mm-hmm. and and all quarterbacks everywhere have to have that formula applied to them rather than it just being well he's our guy because that's where i think most nfl teams and organizations get themselves in trouble with particular quarterbacks like the cardinals with kyler murray you know i'm feeling like they had to give him that contract so quickly you know you guys did i think with golf and giving the contract as quickly as you guys did to him i think in retrospect you would have maybe have liked to like like to have waited an extra year and made sure that that you know you knew what you were exactly getting and that that extra development wasn't coming forward you know well, and it's it's the whole thing when you got him on the rookie deal. If you extend him earlier before other quarterbacks that are going to get it paid, you you still get because you use the fifth year option on him, so you have the two years at a discount before the new contract kicks in. So it's 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 a tough move. It's a risk, right? For the Rams, it didn't really pay off, and we ended up having to eat a lot of dead cap hit because of that. But it worked out. <laughs> I'd offer it's one that doesn't. I mean, Wentz having it happen out over there. Kyler Murray happened out there. I mean, I think Murray maybe gets released after this year, depending on if he can really, there's a really good chance. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be sitting with a, they're going to be sitting with, I think two first, two first round picks, I believe this year are the Cardinals. And so, and that's a new coaching staff and a new regime that did not draft Kyler Murray in there. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked in the least if they move off of them. And as you guys do with Goff, as they did with Wentz is I could probably bring a couple other teams to mind that have done this too. It gets you into trouble. Huh? See, I'm just, for me, I just can't get over the Cardinals making that kind of move. As long as, as, as Bill's the owner. Why not? 
Uh, he just doesn't seem like a guy that wants to absorb that much dead cap hit for trading a quarterback. It, unless Kyler Murray's, you know, really left, you know, the the relationship is broken down and things like that. Sure, he played well this week, you know, coming back, but I don't see the Cardinals going on some sort of run here. But I I do think they'll win more games this year than what they would have without Kyler Murray. So I think that takes them out of the kind of the top three picks. Maybe they will be a four or five somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they, they might have some, you know, because it's the Texans, which is their other pick. And the Texans, they're not going to be drafting the top five this year. No, no, no. They'll be in, yeah, hell, they may be in the 20s at this yeah. point uh, where they land. And that's a good point. I mean, it's definitely something that could impact this where they are drafted. If they don't go low enough. Murray can be better. Or if he shows them, look, even he's been in way improvement. What we've had the backups there this year. That might drive them in the direction of it. The thing that stands out to me is that he was really a spread-based quarterback coming out. That was the whole thing with how you had to use him was we're going four or five wide. You know, it's all about getting the ball of his hands, point guard, distributor type, bringing Cliff Kingsbury with his air raid background to be that kind of coach. You know, now with the coaching staff you have in there now and wanting to run a little bit more under center stuff, you know, does that fit really as much too on top of this, his game? You make a great point about the cheapness of the organization. There is maybe no more of a cash draft organization in the NFL than the Cardinals. Um, I don't know if you saw their poll last year with being and some of how they were rated as far as by the players with their accommodations and food and all that. They were worse, yeah. <laughs> it was not good. It was like a D minus or something. It was it was like have you seen the Cardinals like social media posts? They're they're an awkward PR team. They make him look horrible. They made Gannon. Did you see Gannon's whole thing? The yeah, whole Gannon I thing. Why do I got you him do saved. That? I got him saved every time we play the Cardinals. Pew, 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 pew. Yes. Shots, shots, shots. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Shot, shot, shots. He's like, I want killers. I want killers. Did you kill somebody in your car on the way? What the hell is this guy well, talking about? Like, and even like, I, my job and my like full time job has a bit of a PR aspect of it. Yeah, when when the Kyler Murray contract came out with the clause about like he has to study a certain amount of time each week, oh yeah, someone's got to be the smart PR person in the room and be like, this makes our star player look horrible. Yeah, like we can't do that. Like, <laughs> right. That's why I thought the owner came in on that one though. I think the owner was so like upset about the fact he's he's forced into a corner to pay this guy now because his people are telling him we've got to pay this guy. And he's so kind of mad about it because he knows the guy's not putting the work ethic in. If you've got to put that clause in, the guy's not got the work ethic you need to see to be paying yeah. him that. That's just doesn't, those clauses don't get put in like that. I guarantee oh. in the NFL, it's not industry standard. And it gets leaked out, I think, because the owner is saying they're going, I want it to be known. This is, be, I'm paying this guy. It's like him reclaiming back a little bit of his control in the situation where he probably felt like he lost control to where I, I you know, my people say I have to pay him. If we don't, we, we can't trade him for the assets. We got to do it. Okay, fine. I'll do it. But you know, he needs to do better. He needs to do, you know, that's like an owner, like, like that's a billionaire owner attitude to kind of have like, and not, yeah, PR, whatever. We'll deal with it. You know, we'll deal with it. It won't, it won't matter. You know, that's my theory on it. You buying well, it? Yeah, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I just in general, I think the Cardinals are not a well ran organization. And when they have a little bit of success, they don't know how to, have success so then they quickly diminish it no it's true i mean they know they they certainly know how to shoot themselves in their own foot that's that is for certain and i'm not scared of even with their multiple first round picks going in the future i'm not necessarily super scared about it's to me rams and niners are way way more well run by leaps and bounds as far as the car competition in this division so they're kind of just like the oh yeah they're there too yeah yeah that's right oh that they're in the room here yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> it might have a good game where people are like, oh, the Cardinals? Are they good? Oh, then, they oh, they the beat the Cowboys. They were, yeah. And then the next week, they're like, no, 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 they're not good. <laughs> no, oh, they were what we thought they were. Yeah. You know, you know, the Dennis Allen court. Anyway, we don't need to talk about the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's all we got to say about the cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cards played this week, and we're on to the next. <laughs> Uh, Kasra, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, uh, one thing I know is that we're not giving up 150 yards to 2-2 at well this time. Seahawks defense is a completely different beast now. Yeah, 2-2 at well. A man who I once I once gave a lot of ribbing. I once used to call him Poo Poo at well because he made weighed about that amount at his pro day. I think it was about a buck 47. And that just blew me away that a, an NFL caliber receiver could be weighing that, that low, you know, and still hold up somehow you know that's like middle grader size but uh you're right he has rounded in he's uh defied what i thought he could do out there um did partly think about you guys making that pick at the time because you guys wanted eskridge and so you're like Dang. all right we'll take we'll take that one instead i but, wanted creed humphrey <laughs> I'm not we did too we were all <laughs> unanimous i just about cried on my stream man i was like are my whole you never know chat's never uniform right there's yeah. never uniformity like the whole chat you know creed and then we're all sitting there just like ah, ah, and then it's eskridge oh no oh that one hurt yeah, yeah. Well, it, Creed Humphrey went the pick right after us to the Chiefs. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was pretty pretty tough to watch that. But Tutu, I'll give him credit. Um, you know, I call him the Tutu train. Uh <laughs> and you know, when I'm doing a watch party and whenever he does something cool, uh train emojis show up in my chat, my chat, which is a lot of fun. Nice. And uh he's it's it's been cool to see because he was probably the most criticized player on the Rams the past three seasons and there like there were people saying all offseason that the Rams should trade Tutu Atwell a lot of people thought he might get traded on draft day they didn't trade him and to his credit he has developed into a solid wide receiver what I say is he you know this top 10 deep threat in the NFL no um, is he someone if a defense puts a you know a corner on him that's a matchup nightmare? Th that can happen. That can happen. Uh, mm -hmm. You you have to respect his game for sure. He brings an element of speed and elusiveness, uh, elusiveness to the Rams' offense that maybe Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua don't necessarily have. Uh, both those guys are yak machines. Like they they'll yak it up all day. But uh, Tutu is someone that if he gets open and Stafford hits him in strive for a bomb down the field, you know, don't be surprised. Like you said, you've got to have that a guy that can take the top off or stretch mm -hmm. the, especially a single high safety looks you sometimes get with us a lot. You get that will pull that single high weight and then everything else is underneath with the intermediate routes that then Nuka and Cooper can kill with. You know? I'll, I'll tell you one thing to watch for uh, this Sunday. So Tutu Atwell notoriously will be put in motion uh, pre-snap. And this year we have handed it off to him on a jet sweep twice. I, I don't I'd like to see it more, uh, but for whatever reason, we have only handed it off to Tutu Atwell twice. Even though he, like he probably goes in motion more than any other receiver in the NFL for whatever reason, pre snap. Are you using a different guy in the role? Um, like in the fly sweep guy on oh, on the outside. Um, it 
I can't. Or you're I just can't. not, or you're just not using it much in the offense as you have. Because like last year, for instance, in the game you played against us, the final game at home, I think you guys ran five fly sweeps in the first half alone against us. Remember yeah. that? That was that was an Atwell and the other guy right. you had at the time that you ran in that game where they just did like you had no running game in between the tackles, but you were just obliterating us with the edge runs on the fly sweeps. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Like they dialed it back though. huh? They've definitely dialed it back a lot this year. And I would say, I think Puka's gotten one end around cup got one. Ben Skoranek got one. That was a weird one. <laughs> that yak monster. People like to hate on Ben Skoranek, but he's a seventh round draft pick. Who has developed into a great special teams player? Okay. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. That's, that's, what, that's what he is. Okay. This <laughs> is a, when you go from like when you go from Brandon Cooks, yeah. Odell Beckham, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Cooper Cup, yeah. Ben Skoranek. Yeah. It just it's like, hey, who put the accountant on the field? You yeah, know? yeah. We, we call him the Scoplow because he, he is a good blocking wide receiver. That's what he is. <laughs> well, I, it'll be interesting if they use that against us because that has been a McVay special. One of the, one of the ones it's not what he uses. I'll, I'll, I know I teased you that I'll give you the, give you the goods on that. But um, that is one of the ways you've gotten against us because we will, you, you know, our guys, when we think you're running, it's going to, we're going to get locked into a B gaps and that fly sweep becomes opened up. So um, interesting to see if we can keep that down is yeah. Well, had himself a, a day against us uh, kind of in both areas, but for, so weird to hear you say that too. Again, because that's been one of the parts for McVay's scheme that I lament that we don't see instituted here either. We drafted before your Atwell, we drafted Eskridge, who's really not the same, though they're both speed guys. They're different types of speed guys. He's more of a like poor, poor, like almost a homeless man's Tyreek Hill would be like Eskridge. <laughs> and, and so do you want to use him in that gadgety, you know, fly sweep bubble screeny kind of role, you know, but they don't, um, he, he's not healthy. And sometimes he's been suspended. It's been a, it's been a house of horrors there with him, but yeah. it's, they don't use him nonetheless, even when he is healthy on it, we just don't go to that part of the offense. But for years, it's been such a staple of this uh, McVay Rams offense and so useful. I mean, he can always steal seven yards every play. It may not get you 30, 40, but there's seven Whenever you want to just go take seven like candy from a baby, it's right there. It, it can set you up for a, a third and short more often than not. Yeah, and that's that's where it's. I'd love to see us use it more too. So you're not the only. Again, we find mirrors in this. Like we're the same way with it. We we over here go. Why don't we even try it? But it always seems to work when we do it. You know, we just don't seem to ever really kind of call upon. We'll but we'll run that fly sweep guy like you say. You'll you'll run it all day like. Yeah. <laughs> Is no, he gonna do it? No, no, no he didn't do no, it. Yeah. No, no. No. And meanwhile, you got you know Shanahan out there in San Fran running it every other play between uh, you know Debo and whoever else he's got in there. He goes to it constantly out there. Yeah. So I mean, it's deadly. Uh, thank you, Kasra, for that donation. I appreciate you, Garth Knight. Thank you for another five dollar donation. Says, fellas, I love Gannon. That dude is so awkward that his players would run through a wall for him because he's seemingly disabled to some degree. <laughs> Well, I don't know, man. He's got him playing hard this year. Where whatever it's whatever it's doing, Garth is uh, he's making it work. So uh, I don't know what if it's that, but um, man, he had some awkward some awkward moments. They filmed though, where I just went again. Oh. His PR team sucks, but he's probably actually a half decent coach. He's he's making it work. I mean, and again, I'm I'm still reticent with a guy that talks like that. Where you go, there's no way this guy's. It's so hard to win a a modern NFL clubhouse with all of these guys and the the attention spans as it yeah. is. If you aren't somebody that's dynamic and can you know, and I just hard for me with the way he talks and some of those just what is he saying? The really? Fire in your gut? Yeah, the fire. You got your fire in your gut. Yeah, you got that gut in your front. 
You're gonna you go take the bus here or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, he's like, did you take the bus here or did yeah. you walk in your bare feet? Yeah, through hot coals. Okay, <laughs> did you try to punch somebody just because you got some fire in your gut? Because that's what you should do if you want. To. They're like, oh come on, this is mm -hmm. not gonna work. But hey, he's got him playing way harder than I thought this year. I thought you guys were kind of quasi rebuilding. Cardinals fully rebuilding. You know, they yeah. did those offshoot offload trades. They were like, take it down to the studs. Um, I'm kind of surprised they let Kyler play, to be honest with you. I thought they were just going to be like, you know, just shut it down and play your COD, okay? Just go ahead and play your video games and we'll Which, just go for you. To be fair, if if your plan is to have Kyler as your quarterback long-term and you really want him 100%, depending on how his recovery went, wouldn't have been a bad move? No, I think I would have, if I was, honestly, if I was the owner, I said, he's not playing this year. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. He's not playing. Let him, let him, let him, let him soak like the little toddler sized child he is. I don't care. We're not doing it. No. Yeah. I, and this is for what's best for the organization and him going out there and winning us three games to take us, as you said, from one overall up to ninth or eighth overall uh, and, and removes us our ability to go get that next quarterback. Uh, can't do it. You know, just can't do it. Won't do it. But or even be in a position where you're going to get a ton of draft capital because someone's going to trade to get that quarterback. That's right. Or that too as well. If Kyler, if Caleb didn't want to go, because there's a lot of that thought of he's not going to want to go to Cardinals and he's not going to, well, then you're, you'll get your King's ransom back in return. Either way, you win win there versus this, which is now going to be a, a loss basically net because the guy you're getting at sixth, seventh, eighth is going to be remarkably different from the guy. When we're talking about the top three or four guys in this draft. Um, they, they're a little bit of a cut above here as you start to drift into six, seven. Not they're bad guys at six, seven, but there's a difference, I think, in this draft as it's lining up. Definitely. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Thank you for all of you guys, though, for all those donations there. We got to, oh, not quite all the cut up here. We got one more here with uh, Megan Gonk Roger, my uh, mod in the house here. Thank you, Megan, for the $5 dono. It says, B, my brother is a Cards fan, as you know, and even he's embarrassed by the coach. <laughs> it's hard. It's it's tough on some of those clips to be like, no, no, that's just, he's just, uh, he's just, that's lame. That's corny. What is he doing? Shut up. Shut up. Just look stoic. Wear a big hat. Like uh, if you you know you got something nuts, to just put a big hat on and go the Landry route. You know, and, and everyone will listen to you whenever you talk. I don't know. It's rough. It's rough with him, man. Uh, but thank you, Megan. Appreciate the donation on that. And uh, yeah, Coach Gannon. One good thing's for sure. At least one team. We got enough teams in this division. I'm scared of. I could use a couple of. It's another one of my theories, my man. You'll learn with me for time. I got a lot of theories. One of them is the feast factor. If you want to get to a Super Bowl, you got to have some feasting that you can do within your division yeah. on some of those weaker opponents. Everyone likes to do the iron on iron kind of thing, right? But yeah. if you look at the Patriots of the AFC East through all those years and all of the weak teams, Jets, Bills, Dolphins, how bad they were through that time and the way they were able to run through them and get all nice and fresh for the playoffs, right? You know, like yeah. everything's, you know. Have a couple of gimme wins throughout the year to boost the old, you know, record, get some home field advantage in the playoffs. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. I don't, I'm not one of those fans like, no, I want to be tested every, no, I don't need to be tested every week. We'll end up all beaten up to hell. And we've got the NFC West for some years where it's that way. I think we're, our team's getting the playoffs and it's like, man, we just had to, we just meet grinded ourselves yeah. against each other. And there's not a lot left in the tank now. It took all that just to get through. And is, is what it is, but it's definitely rough sometimes. Uh, Garth, thank you for another $5 donations. Is Brando, when you were just doing a Gannon impression, I was fired up. I'm going to run to 7-Eleven for a sixer and some Paul Malls. Well, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of spirit he's living up. It's that old 80s Bill Parcells kind of coach. He's trying to, but he doesn't have that fire. You know, it's, it's, he's saying the right words, but he hasn't got the red face. 
he doesn't got like that, that kind of serial killer look in his eyes. Like he'll take you down, you know, like that, that's what those old coaches needed as well to kind of put the fear of God in those players hearts at the time. Uh, thank you though, Garth for that fiver and, uh, enjoy that, uh, enjoy those Paul malls. Do they still sell Paul malls. I don't, I don't think they even have them in the store anymore. Uh, Kasra, thank you for the $5 donation. It says, uh, having Witherspoon in the slot is going to be big going up against Coop and Puka. I would be worried about our defense if it weren't for him. Yeah, I wanted to bring up Witherspoon on this stream. I'm surprised we haven't talked about him yet. Mm -hmm. He's been absolutely the real deal, man. Um, I'm, I'm not I, – I can be a guy that can go to hyperbole. So, <laughs> absolutely, I can overstate some things. But in this regards, I can't. He's having the best year. We've had guys like Tariq Woolen last year with the season he has a rookie. Sherman, the rookie season he had. He's having the best rookie season for a cornerback in Seahawks history wow. by far. By far. Um, it's I was a little reticent to believe that a guy at 5'11", 190 pounds, soaking wet, could go out there and be the physical presence he was in college, could be the hitter he was in college. He's been that. Um, mm -hmm. He's been sticky in coverage as hell. He can play outside corner in base. So when we you know go to those kind of situations, he's outside when you have just two corners on the outside. And then when you go to nickel, he kicks to the inside. And this was, of course, between him and Jamal will be maybe two different new elements for your Rams to deal with this week that'll be unique from the first matchup, being now the way that they play these two guys is much differently than what you played us in that first matchup. Both of them will be at the line of scrimmage. Both of them will flip out at times between playing the slot. So sometimes you'll have nickel where Jamal will be in the slot and then they'll put Witherspoon back to the outside. Sometimes where you'll have Trey Brown on the outside and then Witherspoon's to the inside and then Jamal's back at strong safety. But there's a lot of mixing and matching through there and how we're working our coverages with that personnel that does, I think, add a little bit of a difficult, more difficult layer than before. And um, mm -hmm. he can do it all, man. This guy, this kid is is absolutely fun to watch. He can do it all, though. Sticky in coverage, um, ball skills, really good tackler for his size. And um, just, I mean, he's going to take you down. He'll find a way and and a hitter. I mean, he's kind of the whole thing. Last week, even he brought a new thing last week where he forced a fumble ripped in the pure light, came in there, grabbed the ball and just tore it out of the hand of the quarterback. And it's like every week you're getting some kind of play like that. And I think he's going to be a star in this league to, to go forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him, you know, go up against Puka and go up against Cup. And, I, you know, here's my my thing about anytime a corner gets a, a lot of attention early on in their career, I always remember, like with Jalen Ramsey, he was so good for so long. But whenever a corner did get beat, it always becomes like, you know, Twitter blows up of like, see, he's done or he's roasted or like the insert, like the amount of Bears fans that chirp me when Darnell Mooney beat Ramsey one time, like for years, like to this date, Bears fans will still chirp me about that in a game that they lost. <laughs> um, so it, it's interesting to me. With Weatherspoon, he's had such a great start to his year, but you know he's going to get beat at some point. What's that going to look like? Well, I did get earlier beat on a flea flicker play where he came up to help up in the run in this first game, but that was like his first game in Detroit, and he, you know, that's a kid at that first game who had no, not really any training camp because of the injury and a little bit of a holdout. So you know he was understandable finding his footing. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, and, and that's why I say when he's had the best season, it's it should be eye-opening where Sherman came in and was good from the jump. Um, Woolen was good last year from the jump. This kid is different. Mm -hmm. It's it's just different. And uh, he's got something to him that I think is going to make him a special player beyond this year because he can do it all. 
and you just don't see those mistakes coming up. It's not that he's making complete mistake-free football, but it's just that and there was one point a couple of weeks ago, he's the highest graded corner by PFF in wow. the league. So it's it's like even an unbiased source out there that has no Seahawk you know, connection to it was seeing the same thing from him being that he's just on it. And in a, as a run defender too, he's going to play it like a Sam linebacker, which is what essentially a slot corner is, is a Sam linebacker in, their, in what they're doing. And what I mean by that is that he will play the run like that. So you're not getting some 5'8 corner out there making business decisions up against you know Cooper who can just block out of the play and Cooper being a great blocker can do that. This will be a guy that's going to be feisty and twitchy and jumping up into the backfield to get back there and make a play and be a factor in that element. It's just he has so much to his game. You know, that's the part that blows me away is these corners. Tariq last year, Tariq is a really good player and an absolute uh, athletic beast. He's got everything. Uh, great ball school, receiver ball skills he brings to the position. But I don't know. He's not the best of tacklers. He's not the most physical of guys. There, there are some things in his game that you can kind of pick apart. Not, not technically. I can't put him in the slot. You know, the value to be able to take a guy, you can go outside or inside, and he's going to play both great. Is so unique in this sport to have that to call upon as well. Uh, we got another dono here, my man. Uh, Mega, thank you for the $5 donation. Says Puka, my favorite Ram, who is keeping me single-handedly in my fantasy, but I'm dropping 2-2 this week. Should she drop 2-2? Is that a smart call? Is it? Is the 2-2 um, depends, depends on how deep your fantasy league is um, and how many wide receivers you need. But we got probably team. two wide receivers from the Rams, maybe not the best strategy for you. And if you have to drop one of them, definitely drop 2-2 over Puka. Um, <laughs> But no, P Puka's been such a fun story this year. Um, I'll, I'll say this, fifth round pick coming in, no one expected him to be this good. He showed early on in camp, he's got really great hands. Like like very strong hands, doesn't miss a cat, you know, doesn't miss much that that's thrown his way. What has surprised people is his route running and just his ability to absorb information. He's a very coachable guy. You, like when you see him in interviews, you see him talking with, with people. He is a young guy who's excited to learn how to be an NFL wide receiver. And, you know, you have Cooper Cup in there, who's a great, great mentor. Uh, Matthew Stafford has really taken him under his wing. And I give Puka a lot of credit. He's worked really hard to get where he is. And he's he's playing fantastic. He's really been good. I mean, he was so impressive in that first game too, with some of the catches and toughness on those catches. And I just, it, you can see it. You can see it's going to work. And I liked his college tape too, as well. I thought he was a draftable player. Um, and you guys got yourself, uh, uh, you know, a hell of addition there to that receiving core that could need it. You know, where you had yeah. just Cooper Cup, you, that that addition of Robinson last year didn't really take, and you had to move off from that. Uh, you also did. Was the Van Jefferson a move of we're in a rebuild year, or this ain't working out? Yeah. I, I was surprised when they traded Van, uh, you know, early in the year like that. And I think it was like the emergence of Puka, Tutu kind of brought his game to a new level. Van was in a contract year. Hmm. It, like it really just made sense for Van Jefferson uh, in, in terms of giving him an opportunity somewhere else that he wasn't going to get with the Rams because he kind of became the fourth or fifth wide receiver which again i was surprised by because when cooper cup was gonna miss the first four games of the year before the season started i was like van jefferson we need you to step up like you're in a contract year we've seen flashes of you being you know a, a great wide receiver 
but then we didn't see anything from him. And so that's why the Rams traded him. Yeah. And he was a guy too, that had that thing with him where I think he had like a dad that was a coach and a lot yeah. of people thought that he was going to come in real pro ready yeah. where you weren't waiting for it to bloom. The bloom was already supposed to be good, like ready to go. Mm -hmm. Let's go. So they're probably a little bit of an impatience with that. And rightfully so. And saying, you're not weren't what we thought you were going to be, you know, coming in off that, um, off that move. Uh, give me, give my Hawks a player in this rebuild that we haven't talked about. That's somebody that they should look out for this week in this matchup that is, you know, maybe somebody that's an underrated guy that just is really coming to the forefront as part of your future plans here, or just somebody that we're not as aware of that we should, we should be. I'm going to go Byron Young, uh, edge rusher. And he, he's, he's one of those players that you really want, you, you want to see him succeed. He, after high school, like he was working at like a dollar general or something like that. Um, but then he found his way to Tennessee. And did you follow his college career at all? I'm, I scouted the hell out of the guy. Yeah. yeah. So he he's come in, and this Rams pass rush has been inconsistent. I don't want to I, I I don't want to sugarcoat that. However, the past three games, it's gotten a lot better. Um, Michael Hoyt's been playing better. Aaron Donald has been always in Aaron Donald. However, the biggest improvement we've seen has been from Byron Young. And he went from being someone who you're like, come on, shake that block to, hey, whoa, whoa that guy's just blowing by defenders now. And like, oh, he's getting to the quarterback consistently. And Byron Young is learning how to be an NFL pass rusher. And I think that uh, if the Rams are going to get pressure on Geno Smith, it wouldn't surprise me if Byron Young is one of the big X factors in this game. Yeah, I like him. I did like him a lot out of Tennessee. I wanted to read really quickly. My, I do scouting reports on all these guys. So I That's so cool. What, no, please. Let, let's see what you think on it here. I'd so we got, uh, we got, okay, Byron 6'2", 250, an edge with good burst, near elite change of direction, active hands, and a variety of approaches he can employ. Good dip, but just okay bend. Here's my thing in watching him. There is a noticeable difference in how he comes off the ball when in a three-point stance first standing up. He's more explosive with his hand in the ground and better able to take advantage of the natural leverage he can create at his size, paired with plus power. It allows him to better flow in his pass rush where he can stutter step from the snap, trying to catch the tackles, taking false steps in their pass step. Pass set. Uh, when he's coming off the edge, uh, standing up, he's really only most effective at the point as a stutter or running twists. Um, possesses count possesses few counter moves when his initial plan is stammied. So kind of a plan a guy, but maybe not as much a plan B just okay. In the run got pushed out of position often, sometimes just taking advantage of his over aggressiveness. He'll give you some pass rush early in his career. And then you're hoping he can round out into a better run defender. He has natural tools to get it done, but I don't know if he's anything past a situational pass rusher was my assessment. I like the tools. I did, but that was the worry I had was better as a four, three end or he's standing up, which you guys, of course, are having him stand up, but he seems like he's solved some of those leverage issues. I worried about not even though, because you know, you're standing up and then you're, you're already kind of right there with him. versus when you're down at six, two coming up, you're coming up into those six, four, six, five tackles. And you're, you're naturally winning that leverage war at times. No, I, I, I would, I, I really enjoyed hearing your scheduling report. That's fantastic that you do that. I would say that he's definitely been coached very well in, in regards to that. Helps, you know, when you have Aaron Donald to teach you some, <laughs> some moves. Uh, but yeah, no, he, he's he's he is developing into a really solid pass rusher, and I'm hoping that he's a Ram for a long time because we we've struggled to find 
that pass rusher as of you know the past couple of years to really compliment Aaron Donald on the inside. And I'm hoping that Byron Young is that guy. Yeah, not for lack of investment. You guys tried. You've you flipped through some guys in second rounds and paid some money. And and Miller was really the most effective as the guy to really at least start to now draw some of that attention away, huh? The rental. <laughs> hey, it got you this trophy though, yeah, man. Yeah, no, no. And again, for looking at like what Buffalo paid him, and especially the way that it's gone for the Rams, I'm glad we didn't re-sign him because that would have. That would have that's where again it's, it's completely brilliant move on their part. They got yeah. in and got out. And yeah, was there the was there the risk? There was, but in my opinion, this is a growing theory I have. Your Rams are kind of they you guys are sort of setting this pace for the speed with what you guys did in those recent years, which is yeah. that the new the new market cost, if you want a Super Bowl, is you better put some go for moves down on the pedal, or you're not gonna have enough when it comes to go time because your competition is gonna make those moves. Mm-hmm. They are they are willing to, to take those beats. And you know, you guys did, and it was funny about that is you'd done the go for moves in prior years that didn't work, but it still didn't prevent you in that moment from doing it. You didn't play it scared. You played it aggressive. Aggressiveness is rewarded in this modern NFL yep. and uh fantastic move for you guys. I would do it all day. I'll give up a second, third round pick all day to go get the, the Super Bowl of the now if, it, if it's going to cost me, you know, history favors the bull. History favors the bull. Baby. That's right. Um, a couple, a couple more donations here. Megan, thank you for the $5 donation. Thank you for all the donos today. Megan says two, two over K nine B. Do you even have to ask who I'm keeping? Laughing out loud. I know you're keeping. Better be keeping K9 on that. I like, you know, Tutu's fine, but come on, this is K9 we're talking. This is K9. Let's go. Thank you for the fiver. Our running backs, though, uh, they can break big plays, my man, but they we just have had the hard time of the consistent four or five yard run, four or five yard run, you know, uh, getting get that rolling. Sorry, about that. I, Actually, one of the players I'd love to hear your thoughts on on the Seahawks is uh, Zach Sharon. Sh- I can never pronounce his last name, Charbonnet. Charbonnet. We, we got a variety nickname, Sharbazard, Char- uh, <laughs> Zach Diesel. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one was the Cambodian beef stick. That's okay. the one that seems to have stuck as far as, uh, as far as the ones go. But um, he has been uh, really good for us. A little bit of an injuries throughout the season, minor injuries that have yeah. kind of reduced some of his use when he's on the field. He is uh, he's been helpful. Um, actually had more snaps than Walker last week. He's your third down back. Um, and he's a really good pass protector. But he is really, really, really fun when he gets in the open field and finishing runs. Um, mm. He will stick his face mask into the guy's chest, and he does it with a thunderous force that r- most running backs won't kind of do that that way. Part of it is he's just kind of so, I think, solidly built that it's like he's able to sort of throw himself like an anvil into the players. It's weird. Like, you can go watch. There's this one from the Panther game where he catches it, hits the guy, and sends him into the shadow realm. I mean, like, literally hits the guy and sends him flying like he's being thrown across a club. And, and you go, geez, like that's guys don't guys will go where you go you know, bang, bang. And then they go down and then the guy goes down, but you don't see the bank. And then, Ooh, like this. And he's had a couple of these where he just, when he puts down the hammer on guys in the open field, it's like, it's what fans want to see, right? It's the yeah. kind of runnings that fans want to see like, yeah, then we're, but most backs go, go, you know, I'm making, I'm making CTE business decisions. That kind of run. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go in, but I'm not going to like, you know, spear the guy, you know, but he, um, he's willing. And uh, he even did last week. We had a play. Where it's two minute, we're down the two minute drill. We're trying to go for win the game. We got one time, two timeouts. Gino throws it to the flat. He's got the out of bounce marker, and instead of going out of bounds, he has one of those moments that just, you know, me destroy and turns it up the field on the guy instead, and then puts that 
puts it right into his chest and rocks the guy, but then the clock keeps running and you're like, come on, Rook, you gotta, you gotta get a bounce on that one. You know what I mean? Like get it. But, um, he's been a, he's been, I think worthwhile of the second round pick. We haven't been able to utilize him as much, but you can see it with his yards per carry average. You can see when he does get the ball. Um, he's not just a hammer. He can kind of dance a little bit. Um, you got, you remember the old bears running back. That was the comp that chip Kelly, his, his, um, college coach had for him, Matt Forte. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a, it's a, a little bit like a Matt Forte type of back that you have out here. And so, um, and that's Kelly's, that's not mine. That's his college coach at UCLA. And I think it's, it fits. He's just good all around back though. A little bit more of a hammer. So we have a little more of the, the thunder lightning thing going yeah. on that I think is uh, helpful. How's he doing it in pass protection, picking up the blitz? Really good. Really yeah. good overall. Um, he's putting his head in there. It's a, it's a willingness thing a lot of times. And he's got the size being about a six. He's literally, you know, a lot of these backs now are smaller coming out. They're like two Oh five, barely, you know, they, yeah, some of them are 190 pounds, like Jameer Gibbs this last year, first round pick. They, they're just getting lighter and lighter. He's a legit 220, 225 guy, so he can get in there linebacker and match him, you know, rather than get hit and then blown all the way back. You see those some backs where they'll put their nose in, but they just don't have enough weight, sand in the pants to make it, you know, make it stick. But um, he's been really, he's been really good. It's just we're just trying to find a way to utilize him. And it, it sucks when you can't find offensive consistency, and then you also can't find the consistent holes. So the backs are back there sometimes, and it's one of those Barry Sanders situations where it's <laughs> spin, <laughs> and then it's one-yard gain. And it's like the most yeah. magical one-yard gain you've ever seen in your life, but it is only – there's just nothing to be had there, so it's hard to keep going to it. But um, that's where we've got If we're going to beat you this week, we've got to find kind of like the balance we had last week with the commanders with them, being able to mix them up and then being able to stay with a consistency where – Gino's not throwing 45 times a game with Aaron Donald coming at his face yelling, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so funny. After that game, the amount of people that tagged me on that clip specifically, and it was just like, Oh, I love oh, it. Gino. Oh, Gino. God bless you. I get it. Like, you can't be too mad at him because it's Aaron Donald. I mean, like, I get, I get clips showing of me with like Aaron Donald where he like grabs one of those like seventh round rookies, like, Come here, Rook. And then like takes him by the neck and starts. Uh, <laughs> it's like Jesus, Aaron. What are you practicing? What What is that? What, have you seen that clip where he does that to the guy? The poor yeah, yeah, yeah. I what, what move is that? It's it's. You can admit it. He's kind of a psychopath. It's okay. It's it's no, a good, no. It's a little. So do you know what's funny is he he has done a great job in his career at be at at having like these weird like techniques for practicing like knives and stuff like that. And it's cool because he's Aaron doll. He's really good at football. But if like, if any other player, like these videos posted of them practicing with knives or like the rookie choking or things like that, people will be like, who is this guy? Like, who does he think he is? Right. But because he's Aaron doll, he can get away with it. And it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Waiting, waiting for the next one where he's got the poor Rook, like, spread your legs. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of just kicking him in between the legs. Like, we got this is toughing you up. Yeah, that was a wild I, one. I, I will say this. Aaron doll has become a lot more vocal the past three seasons. And it's been cool to see him in that as he was always kind of a quiet player. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of that strong, silent type for the majority of his career. But I don't know. I don't know if it was Vaughn Miller or someone like maybe it was Raheem Morris that told him like, "Hey, man, you're the vocal like leader of this defense, and we like we need you to, to you know, we need you to call call out this defense when they're not performing well." And he's he's not afraid to do that. 
We've had a similar thing with Bobby sliding into that kind of role too. Bobby was a, even though he was a middle linebacker, was more of, I think, the quiet guy when you had the LLB here and a much more boisterous voices in the locker room that could kind of, you didn't need him to be, but he's become that for us. And it's part of what I think has helped our defense to start to turn a little bit around from where we were last year. Yeah, you I mean think Rams Bobby, legend, Bobby Wagner. Rams legend, man. <laughs> had the best year of his career with you guys, just about Jesus. Uh, How'd you like that with him? Was he? Uh, he was I, great. He was fun to watch that one year. At a, it, I, it was hard to watch the Rams a lot last year. Uh, Bobby Wagner was definitely uh, easy to watch uh, in a Rams uniform. He was, you know, he's a machine out there. He's Bobby Wagner. He's a, machine. he's a machine. And you guys did a great job kind of showing how to utilize him. I think we've taken some some cues from you guys and how we're utilizing him this year, keeping up around the line of scrimmage as much as possible, utilizing him as a blitzer. That, that's the way to get the best out of him because he can still be a very effective player there. And, um, yeah, he's still been very good for us this year. He's really brought things together. And, and, and like, I will say that, like, it was tough to see, you know, Wagner go, see Ramsey go, see Leonard Floyd go. It's been cool watching this defense with Raheem Morris still perform well, mm -hmm. um, you know, without, and honestly, when you don't have those star players, you can kind of implement your scheme a lot more. At, at least that's what I'm seeing out of this Rams defense this year, which has been cool to see because Raheem Morris, you know, he took over the number one defense from Brandon Staley, mm -hmm. um, especially in that secondary. And he would move Ramsey around. And a lot of what the Rams did on defense, especially in the secondary, was based on what they would do with Jalen Ramsey. And when you don't have that star player, it, it it's I don't know I, I I'm still finding words to describe it other than no it's a great one the scheme the scheme is more of the highlight rather than the star player if that makes sense it absolutely makes sense to me because we had an argument about this with Richard Sherman through the years should right. Richard move should he travel should he not and my whole argument was that no you don't because when you're having a cornerback move you have to now reaccommodate the whole defense around this star guy that's eliminating this player over here rather than just running your defense. And yeah, I think that that's a great, a great um, argument to be made on this as to the importance of that and, and the ability of defensive coordinators just to run their scheme versus trying to accommodate that way to maximize out what they can get from their defenders. And uh, it's probably a little draw there with Donald and doing that too at times as well, trying to get him to, okay, like the five man blitzes so that we can get the one-on-one -on -one opportunities and, you know, starts, well, is that go in context with how I want to run my philosophies defensively speaking and maybe, maybe not. So uh, I think that there's a smart play, and I think he's got him overachieving with where their talent level is. Um, yeah. I mean, I mentioned Byron Young. I mean, he's they brought him along, but still a rough player, a player that I would have expected would have had to wait a little bit of time to get some top end out of him to get those early returns from him and to get him playing this well. It's It speaks to how good of a scheme they run and how good those coaches are at developing the talent. That's part of how you guys have gotten so much value out of the later round players in recent years too, mm -hmm. is it not? Yeah. You know? And former Seahawk, former Niner, former Steeler, Akella Weatherspoon is a top 10 cornerback in the league this year, apparently. Uh, but and and I I I I say that in jest. He has actually played really well, but he uh he's been our top corner this year, and no Rams fan saw that come in because we signed him off the street like a couple weeks before the season started. We we liked him here too. Didn't understand the trade. Then he went to Steelers and he played pretty good for the Steelers. And then the Steelers like, nope. It's one of those guys. There's these guys that go through the league sometimes where everywhere they go, they play well. I mean, I think Jadavian Clowney's one of these guys. Like yeah. everywhere he goes, he plays well, but he can't seem to ever find a home. And uh, I don't know why, but he played well against us in that first matchup too. 
And uh, he's I've, I've been seeing a couple of Rams games throughout the year here, and I've, a couple of times he stands out to make a play, make a playing coverage. They're tight in coverage. They're close to making a pick. Um, he's been a really good player for you, and it's uh, interesting to see them getting him at that level. I don't know why can't he see, maybe he's found his home now, but I, I, I'd be okay with them resigning him. I mean, he's got three picks on the air. He leads us in interceptions. Well, you got some money now this offseason to spend yeah. a little bit now. So you got a little bit of cash burning up, and I know that they're going to be uh, probably Ooh, thinking about – Sorry, I just read that super chat. That hurts. Oh, uh, Castro, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, I traded AJ Brown for Cup. I'm still mad about it. Yeah. There's still time. There's still time. There's still a chance. There's still time, I think. I'll I'll (laughs) do this. If it looks like Lyric Jackson is coming back for the Rams at left tackle, that will help. Yeah. A lot. Absolutely. injured. So I. Uh, we uh, with left tackle we've had three different left tackles this year out of the three Alaric jackson is the clearly the best one um and so yeah well hopefully hopefully that'll help uh, you know keep 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 stafford upright and get the ball the cup for you well and you at least you got off of trying to put havistein over there which was so ridiculous to me where you 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 just you you sort of biffed two positions in one at that point Whitworth retires and then you like rather than just fixing that like let's break right tackle and left tackle i i it never works to me the whole make the right tackle a left tackle guy we've tried it here in our history he didn't go over there or he didn't i thought that you had put him over there for a while or you stuck Uh, somebody a left tackle that was not a natural left tackle yeah it was was, so we've had a rotating door at left tackle havenstead i think last year there was one game he had to go there just out of necessity like it might have been um, the one we were signing guys off the street last year um but no this is uh yeah we have we so we haven't recovered from Whitworth retiring to be right. totally honest. That is like the number one thing that has been the downfall of the Rams, you know, Super Bowl team from where we used to be has been big wit retiring. Uh, we paid Joseph Noteboom, who he played well, he developed and you thought, okay, this is a good person to take over. He battled injuries. We, and it's just, it was a rotating door last year, but, it was a true camp battle this year between Alaric Jackson and Joseph Noteboom. Noteboom lost out, so they shifted him to guard, uh, and Alaric Jackson was at the left tackle position. But then Kevin Dotson started playing really well, who the Rams traded for a couple weeks before the season started from the Steelers. And so he's kind of earned that guard, that guard spot back. So I'm hoping that the O-line will be right tackle, big have, Dotson at right guard, Blake or Coleman Shelton at center, then uh, Avila at right right guard or, or left guard, and then uh, Lyric Jackson at left tackle. Hey, you you got at least as you go to the future there, your your guards are kind of set. If Dotson can remain, because he's been one of your highest graded players by he's, he's been fantastic, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then you got Havenstein there. It's not that much to rebuild there to get that line at that point to a prime place. Um, as you look at it. So it's our left tire that we had to go top 10 to get ours finally. And it had been years for us. Um, we had to trade for Troy and Brown at one point. It's those left tackles are, they are not a dime a dozen, man. They are, they're highly valuable. And, and I think that's my thing. I would love a Jackson as a swing tackle or as a backup tackle. Mm-hmm. Is he a consistent starter? Probably not, but that's, you know, that, that's to be expected. He was an undrafted, you know, guy that's, worked his way into a starting role. So kudos for him for that. 
Oh, it's he was and he was good against us the opening week. We tested him and he held up over there. So it's maybe functional at this point. I bet though, if they were looking to draft high, that'd be one of the positions they'd be itching at to maybe, you know, here's our here's our long term fix there. Here's the guy that's going to be, you know, they got to make it, you know, get it done. Especially because there's a draft with some left tackles. I think that'll be kind of in interesting from your guys' standpoint to look at and go, well, this might be the guy. So if it yeah. fits, we want we want those athletic linemen. It fits, you know, we got the guy there. It goes. Um, Cosper, thank you for that donation. Uh, Garth Knight at Payo Dime. Brandon dives deep into the draft, even beyond his Hawks analysis, and he's left-handed, so he has oh, cool. a different way of looking at things. That's right. That's right. There you go, lefties. <laughs> oh, lefties. I I love doing the draft uh, breakdowns every year. I'm even already about a hundred deep on the on the prospects for this upcoming draft, and it's been also because we've had all those picks from Denver in recent years. So you know, you've got ten picks in a draft. It makes yeah. you drive even more. But I just like to see if I can. Segment guys, pick guys, get a look at them and who they are and see where they develop into long-term. And if it aligns, you know, to see where you, where you fit with it, you know, see how you do. And some are you, something you're off on, some you're right on as you look back on in retrospect, but I like to go the deep dive on these guys. That's, no, I'm going to watch your draft coverage next year. I look forward to it. We're going hard this year. So I'm, I'm planning on doing a variety of different little things on this to, to try to go with it. So, uh, yeah, cool. I love looking at it. It's a fun draft. It's a nice to me, a deep draft. Maybe not a lot of like the quarterback position, not a lot of star power, but it'll be, really deep for those teams need to pick up a lot of guys, which, yeah. you know, you guys are certainly in that camp and that side. Thank you, Garth though, for that $5 donation. Uh, this uh, payout time is my kind of fan. He says another fiver says advocating, advocating veteran Rams, throwing sharp objects at teammates is next level. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that Garth. But <laughs> sometimes that's, sometimes that's been the way with Garth on a few things. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, he's getting the hand-eye coordination. That's all he's doing, man. He's yeah, just working yeah. on his hand-eye coordination. Yeah. That's it, man. Thank you, Garth. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, Femi, thank you for the two dollar donation. It says, "How's Hunter Long?" Oh he's man, the Rams stream. He's been injured the entire season, but he potentially can play for the first time this week. And that you know, do you, I'm assuming you you know who Hunter Long is. I was one I didn't catch. So okay, I, I, so Hunter Long. The Rams had to trade Jalen Ramsey and get a third round pick from the Dolphins. And also they gave us Hunter Long, a tight end. Oh, okay. uh, He has one catch for eight yards. Uh, there's a video on my channel of me reviewing that one catch for eight yards. And it's, you know, his teammates congratulated him. Uh, so, you know, you think they liked him. Uh, but yeah, no, he's a third year guy. He was drafted by the Dolphins in, the, I believe, the third round uh, in 2021. And uh, yeah, he has not, not done anything for the Rams yet. Uh, so Ram fans, it's kind of like this inside joke of like, man, we had to trade Jalen Rams and get Hunter Long. Uh, but I don't know, like from what we've saw, like he got injured back in training camp. We like even it was like right before the preseason started and everyone was like, oh, I can't wait to see Hunter Long in the preseason. We didn't see him in the preseason. So we we have no clue if Hunter Long can do anything, but we're hoping that, you know, he comes and he's the next legendary tight end. <laughs> well, you did the contract extension earlier this year. That wasn't a good indicator of it, was it? Not to what's yeah. his face because you gave him the gave him the deal with it. But uh, yeah, what we, was it, what was he originally with Miami? Was it like a, a third, fourth? Like yeah, what? he was like a third string tight end for with Miami. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> so it's become a meme at this yeah. point, kind of. Yeah, it's just sort of like this inside joke within the Ramley. It's just 
Hunter Long. Like we had to give up Jalen Ramsey to get him. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do when you want this kind of special talent at the the, the tight end positions, the new receiver. <laughs> exactly. The new receiver, I tell you. Uh Empower Code. Thank you for the ten dollar donation, man. I appreciate it. You guys are very kind in the chat. Says appreciate the healthy discourse between you two. Really enjoyable to see two knowledgeable minds coming together, regardless of the team we support. The NFL is a big family, and I love it. Well, I I echo his sentiments on this, um, Zach. I I do love these kind of discourses so much more than the my team's better. No, my team's better. No, I'm gonna beat you because we're good. No, I'm gonna beat you because we're great. And it, it doesn't go anywhere. And it's there's so much of a better discussion to be had um, so, to me. So. Yeah, we're getting getting into the depths of this because this is this is the part I love about football is that a casual fan can watch surface level enjoy. It. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The deeper that you go, the more to me it enriches and just gets more like a, a picture with that goes to 3D. You know, Absolutely. from just looking at it on the page. That's how I see it with football. And um, I'm glad you seem to have the same kind of outlook on it. And, you know, that's what makes it, to me these fun discussions fun when we get and chop into the depths and this kind of stuff. You know, absolutely. I love talking football. <laughs> Appreciate you, though, for that, man. And Power Code. Very kind of you. Yeah, and uh, we'll definitely have a, definitely have you on again in your payo, maybe around draft time here again after yeah. we do this and, and do a check in. <laughs> uh, Garth, $5 donation. Thank you, Garth. Says at payo time. If you are from Canada, California, please ship Brandon some ketchup chips. When I subbed to your channel, it said you are from the north. <laughs> ketchup chips. Okay, what Canadian abomination is this? It's I, I don't eat them myself. However, they are quite popular. Uh, I, I can't really do tomato stuff. Uh, but I know a, a lot of people love their ketchup chips up here in Canada. Uh, so, Brandon, if you, if you want some, I, I don't mind shipping you some. Oh, maybe I'll reach out to you on that. I don't know. It sounds weird. It sounds yeah. weird. I've done the I've done the, You're poutine not the first thing. American to tell me that. I, I I've done the poutine things, and I was like, "There's some weird dishes you guys craft up there." <laughs> I think you got a lot of time on your hands, and so much of that wintry weather you got inside all the time. Just like, what if we put that with this, and then maybe this to that? And uh, some things do not go together. <laughs> some things need to be separated. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, let me give me a give me a score prediction this game from you. Uh, let's, let's, let's put a button on this. Give me uh from your standpoint, the way you think this thing's going to break down and how this is going to bear out. Honestly, man, this is such a hard game to predict. Uh, Rams coming off the bye week, I think is a good thing. This, this team desperately needed a bye week. Um, they were just, they were so banged up, like not just Stafford, but the O-line, you know, pl- like Ernest Jones w- was banged up, but he'll be back this game. Uh, which he's a key player for us at the linebacker position and where's our green dot. I, I don't know. I, I like a part of me wants to think this game is going to be this, you know, high scoring bond bar, barn burner, things like that. I, I don't see it. I, I do think this is going to be a game where both teams will play well. And uh, I, I think, you know, we're going to have a Ram Seahawks, you know, game that we'll talk about for years to come. I'm actually, I'm going to, you know, I'll be bold. I'm predicting overtime. Yeah. Get, get your defibrillators ready. Uh, Seahawks fans. Let's go. Um, I'm predicting, I'm going to go 27, 24 Rams take it in overtime. 27, 24 Rams. I love it. Uh, that would be a hard, hard attack game. Typical of the Hawks. I'll give you that. Uh, I think what, what's going to happen from my standpoint in this game is uh, 
not know you're asking for it, but uh, I think that we are coming back in this one a little bit of, uh, you know, feeling that first game and being embarrassed by it, mm-hmm. looking to try to get things right. Uh, the yeah. team is playing for stuff. We've got these four game games coming up where there's no room for error and good chance that you can still come through and one for three, but not feel like your season's been doomed. But that's just a tough, we got like three games in 15 days or something like that in two Thursday night games. And it's just a brutal run. You know, now's the time you got to make some headway here. And so I will go uh, 20, I'll go 27, 20. I do think it'll be a close game throughout. I don't think that even if it's like a four-point game, I could see it being very close. You guys, McVay, like I said, has had mostly Carroll's number, and these games do at the very least tend to be tight, even in the ones that we do tend to win. But I just think that where we're at right now in our season and where the energy's at and where you guys are kind of at and the difference of it is a little bit maybe of a factor that can wear, win over just enough at the end of the day. Not that it's the carrying factor, but that just the sort of part that ends up being you know, maybe the spot that you can kind of get a – get a little bit around on, but I, you're going to have a match. And I promised you, I didn't tell you what it was, but the flood zone concepts have been oh. the main killer of the coach Carroll defense. In fact, I think really in a lot of ways, the reason we've changed to this semi new defense we're running though, it's really similar, much more to the old than it is different is because of McVay's ability specifically to, to utilize that. And it's quite, you have a zone based defense, you run two players who are basically like holding hands throughout at times. And the first player runs the first guy through the zone. The second guy sits down in the zone vacated by the first player picking it up because it's really hard for a zone defender to hand off. It's like goes against your instincts there in coverage at times, right? To, oh, oh stop covering him, release him. Now yeah. go cover this guy at the front of the zone. And McVay's been very aware of how to attack us with that. And in this game, how we play the flood zone concepts how we, I think, um, defend against your fly sweeps. If you try to use a lot of that as you have in the past will be really how well we probably determine whether or not we can stop your offense or hold it down to any degree because that's he has leaned on it for years and we have yet to find a real good plausible answer. Some of it's attacking the weakness of a player like a Jordan Brooks that's just susceptible to that stuff. Some of it's attacking the scheme because you play cover three, you know, and you want to run safety deep, outside corners run deep, right? So if you have a, an Atwell, he's on the outside, he runs a nine route, and I'm going to bring Cup underneath. Well, that corner's been run off, right? So right. unless and if Cup's run through zone himself, he's come through the zone on the on the let's say a crossing route over the top. Well, then there's that defender cross has got to pick up as the it's a lot of times a linebacker. Then there's got to then pick up that Cooper Cup. See, these are the mismatches he can drive to, but it's that's not a pure flood zone concept necessarily. But it's the same application. Run the main guy out that you want to get out of there, and then have leave an empty hole there that your guy can run into. Um, and he knows where the holes are in this defense and knows how to attack them. It's going to be the key to this upcoming matchup for me, man, Zach. Oh, well, thanks for sharing. That's really, you know, really interesting perspective. I appreciate hearing the X's and O's, you know, hot take like that. that and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's there. We run zone all the time. We just don't like running man in rears. And if you know they're running zone and you can predict that, then you can it may that's part of what it was able to kind of kind of stem off the, the cover three defense of coach Carroll's defense was that the simplicity of it became its undoing is yeah. that now you can attack it with some complication and it doesn't have a, an adjustment within it to answer. And that's what we're trying to do with this new defense, but it's been a bit of a shaky path getting it there. I, I, um, Oh, we got one more, another dono here. Megan, thank you for the $2 donation says, thanks for the fantasy tips, boys. Game on. Game on, on, Megan. Game on. Let's go. Uh, Folks, I want you to do me a favor. You guys know how we do this in the house. We do our guests here right. Okay. So I want you to down there in the description link in the section of my video below here at Payo Time YouTube. You can find him, Rams fan, but you can just click down there in the link. I got his right to his channel directly. 
do us a favor. He's been kind enough to take out two hours of his time here today to come into the channel. So, so let's good. let's let's go sub up. Let's show him the love over there to the side as we like to do over on that to show our appreciation for him coming in, man. I really appreciate your perspective and taking all the time out. I know you got to be running a hundred miles an hour as we're in season right now with all that's on the plate, but thank you so much for taking that time. I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, we got to get you back on here, man. Dude, let's let's club again sometime. It's been a lot of fun. It has not felt like two hours at all. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it because I I can sometimes I know pull people's ear for a bit of time and I get long winded. The my chat can attest to that as far as just you know forgetting the time. But it's it has gone by super fast, and I love chopping it up with you, man. Love giving your perspective as you know nobody knows your team like you'll know your team. And it's uh it's this is why the new media is working so well is that the perspective you can get from this versus the national people talking heads that just speak to the surface stuff, man. Want to get want to get a little bit deeper to the you know lower levels of this in our understanding. Um, good luck on your guys' rebuild this year. I'm glad that you and I can come to at least an agreement on that, that I wasn't necessarily speaking into a into the dark on that one as far as, uh, yeah, that's what you guys are doing, but you guys did it smart, man. And the future is looking bright for you. Smart run organization. Now you just got to keep Aaron Donald from retiring and Sean McVay from retiring. And if you can keep those two guys who seem to flirt every offseason with, eh, 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 eh. Hard, you know, you got yeah, to be paid there, do to get paid. I, I'm not worried about McVeigh. Donald, we'll see. It's year by year thing. He's yeah. still playing well. So uh, if you guys turn around a great offseason, maybe that'll endear Donald to go, hmm. well, I mean, they got it back to right. And so, you know, and they are still playing so well. But uh, McVeigh's a hell of a coach, man. You guys are in really, really good hands there. Thank you again, man, so much for doing this. I appreciate you. You guys, please hit that like button, get subbed up over there to pay out time. Man, we'll do this again here, maybe even after draft. After your draft, we'll see where you are with your team and sure, how you guys are yeah. doing and, and see where you're at because we have after free agency at that point, too. So we'll get a little bit of an assessment of where you guys stand. But uh, appreciate you coming on the house, man. And uh, we'll have you again. And uh, folks, please don't forget this week. Go Hawks. Ramps. There we go.